1989, the singer, actor, and television personality Cher did the unbelievable when she released her 19th studio album and took the world by storm with these simple words. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way. Hi. You may know me as number one on Star Trek, The Next Generation. But in real life, I am Jonathan Frakes. And this is my real life time machine. That's right, my time machine. Every time I use it to look out into space, I'm actually traveling back into time. Our nearest star, Proxima Centauri, is about four and a quarter light years away. That means light from that star has taken four years to get here. So I'm seeing the star not as it is now, but as it was four years ago. In effect, I travel back four years into time when I look at Proxima Centauri. That's what I mean when I say this telescope is my real life time machine. Wait, <laughs> I'm not Jonathan Frakes. That's not Proxima Centauri. Ah, it's John Titor. Welcome to the season finale episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again accompanied by the man of 1,000 hobbies, Angel. I know you haven't dabbled in this one since your amateur days in middle school, but I must ask, the ancient Japanese art form of mixing earth and water and molding it to create a shiny sphere, Hikaru Dorodangu. How did you get into this in eighth grade, and what is the best type of earth to mold with? The best type of earth, to, I'm going to start with the, the last question first. The best type of earth to mold with is the red sands, not not in Atlanta. Um, it's actually a, a less common known place in right next to Atlanta. I don't know. I don't know the city. Like a mystery place in Georgia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you don't, well, you don't, I, you don't I, want to I don't give, want to give it out. away. You don't want people to go there. Yeah. Exactly. And as for the answer to the first question, I'm still Googling what the hell you just said. <laughs> but I got into it because of my animes, okay? <laughs> yeah. You're like, ah, this show is so great. I just want to mold some earth right now and, and pack it so tightly and sand it so finely that it's a shiny sphere of earth. Cool for you back in eighth grade getting in on some ancient Japanese arts. Yeah, I tried to move on from that and tried to get wet sand and clump it up into my hand and use my cheetah to dry it out completely. I haven't uh, mastered that one, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I would say, at least 50 years yeah. to master that technique. Yeah. So. Give or take 10 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're almost there. <laughs> it's get, you're getting there. Yep. <laughs> So I know I know you love this stuff, but did you ever watch uh, MythBusters much? I've seen a few, yes. Because they they did an episode on this, and I, I'm interested in your take on it. Because they did an episode on trying to debunk certain sayings, and one of them being "you can't polish a turd." Well, they busted it because with the art form of Dorodango, they were able to polish crap. Specifically, I think it was ostrich crap. That is amazing. And what does polished crap look like? It looks like a polished stone. <laughs> it gets packed so tightly, and 
they polish it so nicely, but is you it, would never know what it is. Is it nice to look at? I guess beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Well, I guess the, the answer to that is no. <laughs> no, it's Art is not subjective. <laughs> it is. I gave up trying to understand art years ago. Back when I failed to spherize my clay. <laughs> Your clay. <laughs> I took a, a philosophy course on art. It was like titled, What is Art? And I'm still not sure I know what art is. So <laughs> it was all very confusing. Wasn't that in a movie? <laughs> Any uh, indie art house film? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then what is art? Um, Wasn't that the name that of was... one of the exhibits? <laughs> that was um, murder party. Murder party. party. <laughs> Whatever it was called. Yeah. <laughs> what is art? <laughs> Apparently murdering somebody in a room. That is art. Really a critique on the art world. That they are so vapid and uh, I guess woke. The, the word I hate. They're so woke that they, uh, they're above everybody else and uh, can understand everything as art. Yep. So I hope uh, one day you get the inspiration to, to return full time to that art form because it sounds like you had a blast with it in your childhood. But for today, we have the season finale. We have had a whirlwind ride to get here. So let's take a moment and look at the current rankings of season one's Curious Cryptids so far. So in the 10th place spot, we have the little hog that could, Hogzilla, with a 9.5 ranking. The, the worst ranking of the season goes to Hogzilla. Put that metal around his neck, if he can fit it around his fat, fat, <laughs> I mean, in slimy a, neck. In a way, he is a true winner, because he is the last. <laughs> yep, and he's semi-immortal, too, semi so I mean, he's got that going for him. That means he can only die uh, partially. Yep. <laughs> Does he get resurrected in the new Hogzilla? I don't know. <laughs> Is that a new theory? Yes, it is. In ninth place, we have the Mothman, who a surprising 10 in the rankings, 10 average score. I did not see that coming going into the uh, Mothman episode, but coming out of it, I learned to hate the Mothman. <laughs> you know, I think he's starting to grow on me. <laughs> oh, no. Has it been six weeks? <laughs> well, mainly because I'm waking up with weird scratches on my arms. Oh, Jesus. And I'm starting to think maybe I should, you know, take these things a little bit more seriously, you know? Uh, do you sleep with the windows open and the sandhill cranes are starting to come in? Hmm. I never thought about that before. <laughs> maybe I should sleep with the windows closed. <laughs> Can you imagine that waking up and standing next to your bed is like Giant a seven bird. foot <laughs> slender bird and it just puts its wings out and like bites at you i mean that that itself should be a, a warning of some kind <laughs> yeah to, to close your windows at night right and <laughs> the eighth uh ranking spot we have the i have piazza bird but we really debunked that uh i believe yeah it's a dragon I clarified that is yep <laughs> it is a chinese dragon and i will fight anyone that does not believe it uh piazza had a 10.495 <laughs> which Somehow, uh, just beneath Goatman in the seventh spot, Goatman with a 10.5. So, wow, what a close ranking between those two, mm -hmm. Piazza and Goatman. Do you have a favorite Goatman moment? Goatman moment. Um, my favorite is the fact that it's just a code word for weed. <laughs> I think mine was the the story about the guy, the dam, the guy that like 
one of the ways that Goatman could have been created was the guy that got killed when the dam was created and it flooded the entire town. Yeah. And, like, somehow this guy just missed, like, the notices for the years that it took for the dam to be created. He's like, oh, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll read my mail tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Five years later, he, they, I'm going to I'm gonna read my mail today. And he opens it, and it's all these letters about uh, a dam being built. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then he dies. Yep. And in sixth place spot is Spring Hill Jack, who had 11 points average. Any thoughts on Spring Hill Jack that you remember? My favorite is the fact that he can breathe fire plain and simple and like multiple colors sometimes it's blue mm-hmm. sometimes it's normal orangish red flames he was just a real prankster son of a gun <laughs> he was just out there jumping at people just just being <laughs> scaring just being, them you know regular dude <laughs> my favorite story from him is the one that he jumped out at like a guy that was on a wagon <laughs> and then scared the hell out of the guy in the wagon <laughs> crashes his wagon and breaks his leg and then jack's like i'm out of here and jumps away <laughs> Like, like, good job, Jacka. That was a good one. I'm, I'm done for the night. And then he leaves. My favorite side thing, I don't think we mentioned it in the episode that I saw during the research for that one, was that supposedly in the newspapers at the time, they were reporting that there was a large population of feral pigs that were living in the sewers under London. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. <laughs> looks like... Oxilla looks was just like... waiting, <laughs> biding his time I, in the sewers. I'm starting to think that of all, all the cryptids we've worked on, we've researched on, I think there was a hog nearby just waiting, biding its time. Just ready to strike. <laughs> ready to grunt and strike and do a uh, million dollars worth of damage to some poor guy's property. <laughs> uh, after Spring Hill, Jack, and uh, I, I just passed by, very close scoring, Mongolian Deathworm, old MDW, 11 and a half average score. Yep. Um, Classic worm. Uh, yep. Good job, Mongolian Deathworm. Right in the middle, at fifth place. I honestly, I don't remember much <laughs> about the Mongolian Deathworm besides... Too long ago. <laughs> I remember we watched a movie on it, and it was very confusing because we weren't sure if they were in like a power plant or a factory or what this had to do with anything. And then Genghis Khan's tomb was inside the factory <laughs> power plant thing. Yep. And then that movie caused the Texas movie industry to collapse. <laughs> and they stopped funding it. So <laughs> cool on you, Mongolian Death War movie. I mean, what other cryptid can make that claim? <laughs> claim fam. <laughs> Man, this movie sucks so much. What were you thinking using taxpayer money for this shit? And then it was never heard from again. Uh, in fourth place, Skunk Ape, 12 and a half points. So our initial winner of it all, mm-hmm. Skunk Ape, the the origi- the OG champion <laughs> at 12 and a half points. And looking back, man, we were, we were concerned that 12 and a half points was maybe too high, <laughs> that no one was ever yeah. going to beat 12 and a half yeah, points. There's no way. <laughs> and then, my gosh, a little the little wooden tyke that could, the hodag, came into our lives. Yep, Hodag in third place with actually before we go into the Hodag, any any favorite moment from Skunk Cape that you recall? It was just it feels like it was just yesterday. The Skunk Cape has a, a place, special place in my heart, not because it's from Florida, but because the Skunk Cape is what started this entire podcast thing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. rolling. In fact, there was a part we cut from that episode because I guess it was deemed too graphic about the movie we saw that featured the Skunk Cape. And that will always be near and dear to me. Yep. <laughs> Let's just say it involves private parts. 
Yes. <laughs> Too private to talk about right now, really. <laughs> so let's move on to the Hodag. Uh, the Hodag had a 12.75, and he, again, third place ranking for the season, 12.75. The first to take the crown from Skunk Ape, the Hodag. I think the favorite thing I learned about that one was just the the overall like identity a cryptid can bring to a yeah. a population so like to, to the to the city of rhinelander how integral at least from what i was able to find in the research uh how integral the hodag was to keep that city alive <laughs> uh post timber collapse of uh the late 1800s so uh good on you hodag you did your job with all of your wires tied to your wooden legs <laughs> <laughs> in second place we have baba yaga with a incredible 14.88 points Jeez. for the babushka that could. <laughs> Any fine, fond memories of Baba? The only memory I have, well, it's not the only memory, but the most recent <laughs> one is of our curiosities don't know about the what goes behind the scenes. But, you know, we have several people that listen to our episodes <laughs> to give us feedback. <laughs> And my wife was not happy that the Hodag had won for some reason or another. And yes, it was very controversial win for the Hodag. <laughs> and, and jump for joy when the Baba Yaga took its crown. Wow, some Hodag hate going on. Yep, what... in the in the house of a thousand hobbies. <laughs> yep, yep. That's uh, that's why I keep myself busy with all those hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> but now that the Hodag is no longer the crowning champion, maybe I can stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can ease back into normal life. The current champion in the number one ranking for the season, we have the Wendigo at 15.36 points average score. Simply amazing. Amazing. Just simply amazing Wendigo. I mean, I almost gave it a perfect 20. <laughs> It was yeah, I, insane. I saw, you, I saw you trying to do that, and I'm like, no, no, what are you doing? <laughs> yep. You, uh, in the moment, lowered your scores. Like, no, this, we can't let this happen. <laughs> especially, especially the deer, the deer representation of it. My God. The the one favorite thing that I have from that episode was in the research when we watched the Wendigo movie, and at the end of the movie, there's some boots. These mysterious boots that are given to the man's wife, and my gosh, if you need if you need some symbolism in your in your movie watching, watch the Wendigo, and you could write a a thesis, a doctoral thesis on the shoes at the end of the Wendigo. Yeah, the shoes and the kid. Yep, it's like the Citizen Kane of its time, really. <laughs> I think it sounds like you're turning a corner after yeah. a few weeks. <laughs> Watching this. No, I was I was already as high as you could be on the one to go, <laughs> and I have a hankering for flesh right now too. So, oh no. So these these rankings bring us to an interesting proposition. Angel, have these rankings been influenced by an outside force? Has there been some unknown force that has altered these rankings? Is this world the real world? This brings us to our final entity. The temporal traveler known as John Titer, John Titter, John Teeter, however you want to say him, he's here. John the Mighty. I have a question for you, Angel. Are you ready to travel? Yes. I'm glad because 
I was my heart jumped. I thought you were hesitant, and I was like, "Am I gonna have to leave him behind?" <laughs> but you jumped in. You gotta keep the windows rolled up. <laughs> yes. So we are actually traveling back into time. Unlike that fake Jonathan Frakes, we don't need a telescope to go back into time. We are going to the distant year of 2000, and we shall be using your bear trap-like memory, Angel, <laughs> my Swiss cheese-like memory, and archive web data to put ourselves back into our high school bodies. So to fit into 2000, I have adorned my knockoff Street Fighter Hadouken shirt that was way too small at the time when I wore it back then, my cargo shorts, and my Adidas Samba shoes. How about you? I'm wearing nothing but a toga. <laughs> We're not going back to 2000 BC. Whoops. <laughs> you got the memo all wrong. John first appears on the Time Travel Institute forum on November 2nd, 2000. Coincidence or not, almost exactly one year after the release of Will Enium, which I know is your favorite Will Smith album, Angel, you still talk to this day about Wild Wild West being a perfect song. Because uh, it is. When Drew Hill gets those pipes into that song, I mean, I saw you weep one time when that happened. I mean, you can only experience, you can only experience glory once in a lifetime. It's it's like it's like the movie. Um, what was it called? Perfection or yeah, the perfect. Um, they get the perfect note. Yep. What were those two guys' names? Uh, <laughs> I already forgot. It's the weird Greek-sounding <laughs> names. And like, like Matthias or Matthias or yeah. uh, something like that. Some German, some German dudes walk in, and they watch some girls play. And sometimes they're pleased, sometimes they're not. Yep. And that's and, all it is. Yep. <laughs> Nothing untoward. Nope. The guy with the scarf from Wings. Uh, he's a real cool guy, I guess. He's, he just wants to teach people music. So I suggest watching that movie to find uh, the perfect song, really. Yep. Beyond Wild Wild West featuring Drew Hill and some other guy. Yep. <laughs> that has been lost to history. So from the time of November 2nd, 2000 to March 24th, 2001, across various message boards, with the main ones being the before-mentioned Time Travel Institute and then Art Bell's Coast to Coast Forum, John Titer reveals himself as a time traveler and attempts to engage in conversation with people about the future, about civil rights, and really about how much he hates fast food and that hamburger is transported in trucks. That was a thing that he vehemently hated. He was like, you eat hamburgers that come from trucks? He like, I saw it mentioned multiple times and I was like, what the, this guy really doesn't like hamburger shipped on trucks. And then specifically to go on a tangent here, I think somebody, one of the posters was from Hawaii, and John was like, do you know where your meat comes from? Because <laughs> I guess they can't have fresh meat in Hawaii. It has to be imported, and he was against it. So watch out if you eat I'm pretty sure fast food. Pretty sure he was also against carrying pocket calculators. Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other level of things that he hated. So... Now, Angel, we and we encountered this story, I, I think, in real time, if my Swiss cheese memory is faulty or not, on the website GameFAQs. And do you remember that grand old forum, the paranormal slash conspiracy forum, that we spent mighty a day on 
researching or reading things about like my Furby is haunted (laughs) and it's talking to me from the closet (laughs) and there's no batteries in it. I mean, uh, classic. That was that was a gold star part of my life. (laughs) Yep. There was uh, I think beyond that, I don't really remember too many besides the John Titor experience where somebody came posing as John Titor. I think it might have been a little bit after the actual true John Titor that we're talking about. So most likely someone posing as him, but really retold the entire story because I would imagine the Time Travel Institute and then Art Bell's Coast to Coast forums, maybe not the biggest of forums, but they had ample uh, user numbers there. So when it can leak out to other forums, uh, that's, I think, when a lot of people started to hear about it for the first time. So do you remember really anything from it? I I do remember uh, finding out about it. Um, I don't remember the specifics besides, oh, this guy's claiming he's from the future and all these things. But what I do remember is I did introduce this to a, a friend of mine, and he freaked out. He was all in. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, oh, my God, it's real. I'm like, no, chill, chill. <laughs> It's like it's not you you honestly believe this. He's like, of course. So I mean, there was really no way of knowing until the events came to pass, right? So Yeah. So yep. It, I think it illustrates the perfect type of people. The ones who don't believe and the ones who do believe. Yeah. And I think in this instance a lot of people bought in immediately. They needed very well we'll look into it because John did provide proof yep. of some yep. sort arguable if, if it's true proof or not or anything like that we'll go into it but he one of the rare ex- times like pictures are involved manuals are involved very <laughs> intricate math is involved don't quote me on this but i also think it's this is the first time traveler that has used the internet as a medium as opposed to others that just appear on the news or some other mm-hmm. you know newsprint yeah a weird uh, well, I mean, 2000, 2000 to 2001, a weird time. I think that was, if memory serves me right in the moment, uh, a good time of when, I guess, internet was being more accessible to people yeah. in, in their homes to use. So I think that was a, a, a breaking moment for internet culture was really this thing and might have been a reason that some people were able or like bought into it so much too, because it was sort of the first of its kind yeah. that uh, is occurring on the internet. So here we go. For better or worse, we have made it. The season finale, Cotton Eye Joe's Razor. The action that states, if someone must come from somewhere, they therefore must go somewhere. So where the hell did John Titor come from? Or when. Or when. <laughs> That's a whole other level of, the, of Cotton Eye Joe. From what I was able to, to find out in the research, a user with the tag time travel underscore zero begins posting about being a temporal driver from the year 2036. In fact, this is what he says in a post of the year 2036. I remember 2036 very clearly. It is difficult to describe 2036 in detail without spending a great deal of time explaining why things are so different. In 2036, I live in Central Florida with my family and I'm currently stationed in an army base in Tampa. A world war in 2015 killed nearly 3 billion people. The people that survived grew closer together. Life is centered on the family and then the community. I cannot imagine living even a hundred miles away from my parents. There is no large industrial complex creating masses of useless food and recreational items. Food and livestock is grown and sold locally. 
People spend much more time reading and talking together face to face. Religion is taken seriously and everyone can multiply and divide in their heads. And then end the, the quote here. So Angel, we can tell a few things from this. We got future Florida man, which already <laughs> raises eyebrows trusting Florida man with time travel. <laughs> Beyond that, World War III claims the lives of 3 billion people. There is a return to communal living. Large-scale production is a thing of the past, and family is a priority. And uh, long division in your head seems to be life or death. <laughs> yep. So I'm screwed. <laughs> he looks down on us for that. What are your thoughts then on the, and I guess, his, his initial representation of 2036? If this was me back in 2000, I would have been like, well, I mean... Sounds pretty wild, but okay. But me now, I'm like, well, 2015 came and went, and nothing happened. Uh, three billion people aren't dead, according to my death watch I have. Or at least not by a world war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just died to natural causes, I presume, <laughs> since then. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just It just sounds like you're... Like a, a an, uh, an author trying to get his story out there, and it's like, hey, what if I did it in this format? You know, it's like you said, the internet was becoming more and more accessible, and even now we see people using things like Twitter as a kind of medium to to show yeah, their to tell a story, t- mm-hmm. yeah, tell their story and make a different kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. So this might be or, a case of that. Yeah, or even things like mediums like YouTube as a an, a place to dispense your art like various alternate reality games like what's that one we were watching a little bit ago that they haven't updated in a while i am sophie is that what it's called i am Sophie. and like a lot of forethought that has to go into creation of something and a lot of production and it's really cool concepts so was this something that in its earliest days uh something like that and that might be probably something that we go into here but is the multiply and divide thing the ultimate? You won't have a calculator with you at all times when you grow up that every math teacher from eighth grade and up from 92 to like 2003 said. <laughs> I mean, was was John Titter in, or Titer, Teeter, was he in that moment of like, there's no way there's going to be cell phones that have <laughs> calculators and people are, every single person's going to have it in their pocket at all times or in their hand at all times. Or maybe in his future or world line, whatever you call it, they had cell phones and then the world war wiped them out and then everyone had to force themselves to learn how to do math in their head and he just became more like oh technology no um we'll go into it a bit he seems to be a cranky old man when it comes to technology (laughs) yeah does not trust it tighter outlines how he was able to get to our year 2000 but let's first experience his timeline so through the, all the postings, a rough autobiography of sorts can be decoded. John states he was born in 1998 in Florida, even remembering times of going to Disney and Daytona Beach. In 2005, a second American Civil War erupts and continues for 10 years. When John was 13, presumably the year 2011, he joined a shotgun infantry group called the Fighting Diamondbacks and got involved in the war. The Civil War is seemingly urban America versus rural America. The exact cause is not plainly stated in the postings, but some clues are that police were searching the homes of people unconstitutionally and that there seems to be really extreme civil rights abuses. The options for citizens seem to be that they could stay in large cities 
and the trade-off is that you lose your rights under the guise of security or leave for more rural areas to have your freedom. Once their home was searched and a neighbor was arrested for no reason, John states that his father decided to get them the hell out of the city and they were going to try it on their own out in the, like, almost almost described like the, the Wild West, the, <laughs> yeah. these rural areas. Like, nobody lives out there. It's, you can do anything. Uh, so, so what do you think of this civil war? What do you think could spark a second one in the United States? Currently? In general. In <laughs> general. Currently or really uh, anything. I mean, I... There's a lot of division going on right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty wild. I don't know if it's just Twitter um, warping my perspective, but a lot a lot of people are are pissed off. Yeah, to say it lightly, everyone's mad. You know, for one reason mm-hmm. or another. So one little thing can just set set them off. How many how many stories are there daily of people uh, at their jobs getting assaulted by somebody for? asking them to wear a mask yeah and that and then there's the whole you know the the protests going on uh attempted supposedly plans to kidnap governors yeah you know yeah that sort of stuff going on kidnap and murder i think it was yep those little things (laughs) those little (laughs) things it's what i find interesting of what john t says is that (laughs) you know this this was in 2000 right 2000 2001 And yep. you said something that kind of made me think um, when um, something that reminded me of of the, 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 the government's like, you know, taking away your freedoms for your safety kind of thing. And that mm-hmm. reminded me of the Patriot Act. And yeah, Patriot Act. And that yep, was 100%. that was much after, you know, mm-hmm. this, this situation. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like, is he? Is he somehow like so well in tune with the news that he can just kind of guess what's gonna, you know, predict the kind of path that's gonna happen? I mean, that's that's the intriguing thing about <laughs> all of this. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these things are happening. Yeah. Maybe not the exact time that he's saying it, but it's like, is it real? <laughs> yeah. Like looking back at the time too, he puts he put a lot of emphasis on the uh, presidential election of 2000. So we have George Bush versus Al Gore, mm-hmm. and the insanity that ensued at the time of uh, you're a Florida man, the <laughs> the hanging chads. I'm sure you still have nightmares of uh, being young, dreaming of hanging chads, <laughs> and all the mess that came from the uh, counting of ballots in Florida. That hinged on that election and then sort of the idea now is so in john's world in his reality something occurs that in 2005 that begins that second american civil war so that would lead us to the second presidential election of george w bush was it something related to that presidential election was it aftermath of something that happened in his first term or culmination of what's going into his second term, things like that. Another thing that could be argued that maybe differed, something that changed things in our timeline, uh, one thing that happened with Al Gore coming out relatively, you know, soon, saying that he conceded, and I, I believe, I don't remember exactly, I was, it was 2000, I was 
15 years old, that he, like in the emphasis or in the preservation of democracy or something like that, to that effect, he was going to concede because he believed that had to be done to help America heal, to move forward, was for this to, to not be something that would go on for a long time. So maybe that decision by Al Gore in 2000 prevented us from going into that second American Civil War because by that choice, it maybe it helped uh, de-escalate things that we never saw in our timeline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing that he talks about, I'm not sure if you saw this at all. He said specifically to, uh, to look at the county by county voting results for areas in the 2000 election to say if you're safe. I've interpreted that to be you look at like the rural areas of voting, the conservative areas to go there to be safe. And whatever interpretation you have of that, you can <laughs> have of your own, but almost like a veiled, you should get out of the cities. Like the cities are, yeah. are death houses and you don't want to be there. Following that, the war seemingly comes to an end when America gets thrusted into a new war, the forever headlined World War Three. In 2015, Russia, it would seem, saw a moment to exploit what was going on in America and began to drop multiple atomic bombs. Titer specifically mentions Jacksonville, Florida, was hit along with Washington, D.C. Major players in this war seem to be the United States, Russia, China, and then Europe, specifically Europe with a unified army. So it's just a more represented as Europe as a single country. <laughs> Good luck on that happening. <laughs> Three billion are killed, and it sees the end of the what he calls American Federal Empire, which for John is the bad side from his point of view. So in his shotgun infantry group, which, my gosh, good luck, a shotgun infantry group fighting the American army? All you have are shotguns? <laughs> what? There's Good luck fighting Diamondbacks. <laughs> special shotguns. I mean, to get that close all the time for your entire group, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they did it. The From his point of view, the good side won. And then in the transition after that, America reforms with a new constitution. So specifically, there are five presidents put into place that are voted on uh, at differing intervals. The vice president is the president of the Senate, which is also a separate, uh, separately voted individual. The capital has moved to Omaha, Nebraska, and the country has basically been split into five states or regions. Most communities max out at about 1,000 to 5,000 people, and anything larger, John states, you really become an easy target for like raiders or to be bombed in the future by some other country or anything like that. So you, the idea being you do not want to congregate with a lot of people in his future. Social distancing. Yes, <laughs> on, on a, a whole new scale. So what do you think of this World War III that John brings to the table? Again, it's a lot of it. Like, I get a lot of uh, impressions from, like, different stories and, and fictions and, and games. Yeah. Like, I, mm -hmm. I picture Fallout and, yeah. you know, a lot of post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, stories. Or, like, Mad Max Mad or something Max, going yeah. on here. Yeah. A bunch of shotgun infantry saying, witness me, as they go out to get killed. Our next milestone that John covers is that in the year 2034, time travel is invented or discovered. So this part of it gets really interesting in, in John's story because this comes about two years earlier. In 1998, the year that John was born, 
a fax is sent to Art Bell and his show on Coast to Coast AM, where Art reads it on his radio show about fusion reactor research by scientists at CERN produced the world's first contained singularity engine, which allowed then, the basics of that allow General Electric to build the first time machine. So this weird instance now where two years prior to when John's story comes to light on internet forums uh, related to this fax that was read on Art Bell's show, presumably from John uh, two years earlier. So what, what are your thoughts on this uh, CERN being the gateway to time travel and then of all companies, GE, to bring it home? I mean, GE's great. That's all I got to say. <laughs> You're looking for that GE sponsorship? <laughs> That's right. Let's now read. Let's read for our great sponsor, General Electric. Here's a washing machine that's going to die in two years. It can, It has a, you can, once that washing machine dies, though, you can take the, the parts out and build your own time machine. Own time machine. Yep. <laughs> Just buy eight washing machines and you got the inner workings for a time machine. Um, I like this fax thing because does this john character know about the facts and build the story on top of that or was it just hey he really is a time traveler and this is all yeah, it's, it's all real <laughs> he had the the forethought here so being 1998 the um, year that john is born and then was he doing something in 1998 checking up on himself mm-hmm. creating himself the the legendary like grandfathered time travel paradox yeah. sort of thing going on or extreme foresight from the individual that was planning this like insane <laughs> yeah. foresight or was it just like a one-off thing and then they were like later on thought hmm that fax i sent that was kind of fun let me <laughs> build some mythos about yeah. 2036 and civil wars and world war three it's crazy to, yeah, to think about it's yeah, the idea that it'd be the same person doing that, that that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I do find interesting is that I, I, I was thinking if the reason a lot of people have freaked out about CERN, I wonder if, if you know, John is to blame for that. I don't think if he's ever uh, mentioned anything, John Titor never said anything about anything. I don't think people would be talking about the the hadron collider or any of those things the way they do now i mean i remember there was uh, they were gonna turn it on for the first time in 2012 and everyone was like freaking out oh my god that's when you know dimensions are gonna happen black holes are gonna suck us up something you know every little yeah, thing yeah, you could think yeah. of they they, they were would, freaking out about earth would be stuck through a pinhole <laughs> in the time space yeah did it happen and we just don't know that's, that's I, I mean that was thing. also one of the arguments that i saw was that it indeed did that but it is happening so slowly our perception of time yep. is uh so <laughs> effed up did it happen and we just don't know it happened yet well, they, and we're like on the horizon of the black hole <laughs> event horizon <laughs> you don't need eyes where we're going i mean the thing about that is that whether that's happening or not we're still gonna die you know like it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) yeah is there any stopping of it probably not did john titer try to warn us (laughs) yes (laughs) with a fax it's interesting to art bell (laughs) yeah specifically art bell like this guy's gonna expose everything (laughs) why not 
Get it to Carl Sugar. <laughs> God damn it. Get that fax to Carl Sugar. Yeah, you would write a book. A whole book about it, too. <laughs> he, he he liked that foresight, I guess. Yeah. My, he didn't know. He just didn't know. Things could have been different, John. There's, there's also the idea that the when the Hadron Collider was turned on, that it shifted us into a different dimension. And everything that's been happening ever since is because we were on a different path now. But... It's like, there's no way of knowing that. I know. I want to get off this ride, please. <laughs> no. We turned on the collider, sir. You can't go back. Exactly. As as part of the military, John is sent to collect an item that is needed in 2036. And this is like the part of the story that then gets even weirder than the previous parts of it. Why did he go back to, specifically, he says he goes back to 1975. In a post, he says, the first leg of my trip was from 2036 to 1975. After two VGL checks, the divergence was estimated at about 2.5% from my 2036. I was sent to get an IBM computer system called the 5100. It was one of the first portable computers made, and it has the ability to read the older IBM programming languages in addition to APL and BASIC. We need the system to debug various legacy computer programs in 2036. Unix has a problem in 2038. Presumably, they're trying to get ahead of it to uh, solve this issue, this language issue in 2038. So why John? Why was he chosen for this case? Apparently, John was chosen for this mission not for what he knew, and he states that, but for who he knows or who he was related to, really. The idea is that some relation of his worked at IBM, and specifically in regards to the 5100 computer. So the idea was that he would have the best shot at completing some sort of mission to go back to 1975 and to collect this portable computer. So what are your thoughts on this, Angel? Of Damn it, even in 2036, can't get a job unless you know somebody. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, this is this is my favorite part about everything. It's just was so deeply thought out it's not like haphazardly coming up with stupid things like you know this was thought out before anything and he just kind of went there and said hey i'm a time traveler and then just expected people to ask questions and he somehow mm -hmm. had an answer for every little thing this dude was prepared uh, specifically he i think he answers every single question that people asked him like if you if you read it oftentimes he We'll start a post saying like I, uh, I believe I've answered all your questions. Then he like yeah. <laughs> starts listing off answers to everything. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because even the questions that he it's it's an interesting interesting tactic he does because he says he's answered the questions, but some of those answers are are simply him saying, "Oh, I can't talk about that," <laughs> right? And he'll like or find a way a work around not really answering the question directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of his answers too are like, and he even mentions this. He mentions a show about a psychic medium, and he was like questioning, like the I guess veracity of the show. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is he was talking about John Edwards crossing over, <laughs> and one of the things that John Edwards does, if you believe that is a medium or not is that talks in generalities of like these are general things that i can do so in his show he would have a, a studio audience and he would start saying things like i see so, i see an old woman i see a grandmother and 
everyone's like, ooh, is that my grandmother? Mm-hmm. And then the, your interest is peaked. And then he's like, I see, I see like blonde hair or I see red, red blonde hair, uh, red, gray, red, gray, blonde hair. So all the way, you've gone from one attribute to three. Yeah. Three different colored hairs, all in the same reading of seeing her. People raise their hand, and then once you no longer have that, you lower your hand. And then eventually, after people lowering, raising their hands and stuff like that, he can track down, okay, this is a person that I have uh, a connection with. Yeah. So is it real or not? Or is it just generalities of like breaking down so many different variables that now you have somebody that you can say something to and then general stuff like they want to say goodbye and then it's like a a heart-to-heart moment that this person believes they just had was that what john titer was doing and was that a red herring that he mentioned by mentioning the medium show which i believe is crossing over with john edwards which carried over at the same exact time that this occurred a red herring or, or a clue as to, you know, let his readers, his more astute readers realize that, yeah, he's doing a bunch of cold reading. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That he's just giving this information out. And it's sometimes vague enough that you could believe it. Yep. And God damn it, a lot of people did. <laughs> I'm still not sure. <laughs> and it's 19 years later. <laughs> so then after getting the 5100 computer, John comes to the year 2000 and stays with his parents in some sort of secondary mission that he has and also to collect personal items that he says were lost in his future. So what are your, I guess, thoughts so far on the on where we're at with John and his story of getting to the year 2000? Anything that jumps out at you of like, this is concerning of his story that doesn't match up or just anything at all? His story so far, like, I, I'm as you tell me the story, retell the story. I'm I'm brought back to how I felt back in 2000, which is just this. It's sitting in your toga, and <laughs> it's, this, it's this weird fascination, but skepticism. You know, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. this is cool, but I don't believe a word of it. Yeah, I think I remember sitting there in my room on the computer and looking like, ah. Uh, I don't believe it, but I kept reading it. (laughs) It's intriguing. There's so many different things going on. Like why an IBM computer? Why a 5100? Mm -hmm. I've never heard of this computer. Is it real? I don't know. (laughs) And then never think to look to, is it a real computer or anything like that? But like the more people have looked into this story over time, like this part's kind of weird that the 5100 knew like the, the engineers behind it never let it get out supposedly that like all the things that John was talking about like fell perfectly into this computer. So unless John was like some sort of like engineer on the project or had intimate firsthand knowledge from somebody else that like was like firsthand account from them to know of these things that it was able to read these legacy uh, languages, things like that, uh, different programs that nobody else knew until i think like maybe the late 2008 2009 i think maybe that information came out or or soon after that and then it makes people go back and apply what john was talking about like well is this real then (laughs) (laughs) because now more things are coming out that really nobody knew i don't know (laughs) now that we know where john came from so where did he go so for several months john titer posted on internet forums answering pretty much as we said any question that he was asked but he did have some rules, I think, that you had uh, spoken about here, Angel, and I wrote them down. His first rule 
was I will not disclose any information that will cause someone to personally gain by its knowledge. This means no stock or sports tips. And my gosh, people were like, this is the one thing that John would always talk about. Like people would say, who, like who, what, what horse won the Kentucky Derby <laughs> in like 2005 or something like that? Who won the like Super Bowl in 2010 or something like that? Or so one that I specifically remember was, what was the price of gold for the past 20 years? <laughs> And his answer is always, well, who knows that offhand? Like who from 20, in his timeline, 2036, knows a random winning of a horse uh, 30 years prior? Which isn't a defense. I, I would say so. Or is it just a like a nod to Back to the Future? And Biff with his uh, sports almanac changing the future <laughs> once he gets it from Marty. <laughs> I don't know. Is it part of that story being spliced into John's story? But he specifically says he will not answer any of those questions. No stock tips, except for the glaring General Electric. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> they are building a time machine. Yep. <laughs> Get in on it now. Number two is, I will not disclose any detailed information that would allow someone to avoid death by probability. This means no earthquake or bombing information. In relation to this, one of the things that John says about the future and leading up to the Civil War is that there's like a Waco type event every month. Basically, everybody's life becomes engulfed by the the climate of the American culture just uprising that's going on. But he will not share specifics of what's going to happen, either because he doesn't know, he's not a time traveler, or in the guise of this, that he doesn't want people to who would otherwise survive or change their life based on the probability of something happen like to impact somebody's life so maybe some sort of ethics i i don't know any take on that my only take is uh it's a it's a it's a good cop-out it's a good way to just say you know like how is it that like you said he could mention things like ge's building a time machine but i'm not gonna give you stock tips even though he lit and then explains how well, our world lines may be different. <laughs> That's one of the hard things to, I guess, for his story to reconcile. But we'll get into that, too. Number three that he states is, I will not disclose any information that may compromise any future actions by individual people or threaten their family and well-being. In relation to this, a lot of people would ask him, like, this is my name. Do I have an impact on, like, the <laughs> revolution or anything like that? Like, what's my part in the revolution? Yeah. And, of course, it's like, I don't know who the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> Reactions to this, to John, they varied from 100% believing him to full-blown hostility. So, Angel, what do you think a time traveler would need to show, specifically to you, to prove that they are from the future? They would have <laughs> several things. They would have to show me. They don't have to show me the time machine, but they would have to be able to explain to me how time travel works in a in a way that that doesn't seem full of holes. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, but I can't get over the fact that in order to travel back into time, you yourself somehow has to be outside of time, the dimension of time. And that means you would just stop aging the, the entire time you're traveling backwards. Like, I don't get how that works. <laughs> well, CERN. <laughs> right? CERN. They did it. CERN, CERN. did it. <laughs> Four letters. <laughs> C-E-R-N. And, and then two more. G-E. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
the alphabet soup of explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, but in I'd be getting ahead of myself here, but in one of the things that John talks about is like the the process of time traveling. So he he talks about it a little bit and states that so his unit, which he actually shows a picture of the unit, mm-hmm. uh, he claims it to be I think 500 pounds. And it's this big, like, sort of, like, military chest sort of looking thing, like a yes, footlocker. there are pictures. That has, like, some caution tape. And someone even, like, points out, like, yell at the person that put the caution tape on there because it's not straight. And then John's <laughs> reply was, like, oh, I'll tell my <laughs> my uh, uh, higher-ups about the caution tape. But, I mean, it, I guess it looks like it could be a portable time-traveling device. I don't know. He specifically... When they do it, um, put the the time traveling unit inside a car. Car is not in motion. The it does not go to eighty five miles per hour to travel into the future. <laughs> but the car sits still with the engine off in park, and then they start up the uh, time travel device. And it's the way that he explains it. It's kind of confusing, but he, it's all about gravity and just some sort of like gravity well that they make, I believe. And he includes like uh, physics. Uh, equations and things like that but he also says that he is not a like physics professor or anything like that so he can't he can't explain the exact like minute details of it he's just a user of it hasn't been trained to use the item so another way to either skirt some of it or another way to present it as more realistic of well i don't know everything about it i'm just the one yeah. I'm just the user of the device. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he also explains that when it starts up, like this field, gravity field, goes around the car, and that you have to be away from it because if you were to touch it, the field would like stretch your your body around the gravity of the vehicle. So it would like st- if you put your arm on it, it would like rip you into like almost like a two-dimensional <laughs> like flatness <laughs> and like rip your body across the uh, gravity well that it's creating and then he also says that when it, the vehicle travels and is di- displaced back into time that it takes like a portion of the ground with it yeah it goes on to like later parts that you could do it in a, ve- in, in a building and it would just take a portion of the building with you like that's underneath the vehicle I don't know. I, I guess maybe does, does that add realism to it? I don't know. Well, see, the, the, the thing about that is that it reminds me of the the Time Machine movie that mm-hmm. uh, was based off the H.G. Wells story. Um, the, 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 the remake, I think it was, with... Um, yeah, was, was that like early 2000s yeah. maybe? Late 90s? Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, it's like maybe he just took his idea from that because the time machine kind of worked the same way where the guy's inside. This yeah, thing. he's like sitting in this old ass chair. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's just, you know, time just goes by really fast and it just stays in the same spot. And he like goes to the future and there's like weird humans have evolved, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's like two kinds of humans or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that movie very faintly. <laughs> Maybe for good reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I liked it as a kid. I don't know. Um, one of the other things that he describes in the, the act of transporting back in time is that you need to bring oxygen because it's not instantaneous. Like it takes time to travel back in time. Right. I think the way that he that this that he explains it is so you're in a occupied space in the universe, and then you have to like wait for 
the universe to get back into that exact spe spe uh, specific position. So because the Earth rotates around the sun, when you travel back in time, you have to go to a, a divergence in time where the Earth is exactly where this car needs to land. You can only go to specific points in time because you can't... That's the way I understood it. You have to wait for the Earth to like be there for your car to to land there. Yeah. Or else you're going to land out in outer space and... And die. And die in the vacuum of space. <laughs> yeah. So you can't have that happen. And then also, you can only go back 60 years is the suggested time. Because anything further back, the variance is too hard to compute. And you could, he says, could go into a time like full, like a strangeness time <laughs> that isn't correct. It's too far from your reality, what yeah. he calls world lines, that it would be too different and it won't be compatible and might be too difficult to then return to uh, not even your own world line, but to something that resembles it. Yeah. So crazy stuff. It's all crazy. It's all like, <laughs> it's, is this real? I don't know. <laughs> it's very well thought out. I mean, this could make a really good movie. With this idea of time travel. It just makes me think, like, if you just travel 60 years and then when you land there, it's just travel 60 more years back. <laughs> no, I know. It's like, oh, my mind is melting. <laughs> the the one thing that he, that allows this all to happen, uh, it's called a superverse theory. It's the reality where there's just an infinite number of Earths. And like mentioned, John refers them to be called world lines. So his world line is unique. Ours is unique. When he travels, he is not staying within his world line. So it's not like, say, for instance, the movie Back to the Future, where Marty goes back to his time to interact with his parents to save their relationship, to do whatever Marty has to do. John, when he travels, he exits his world line. He exits his present and past. He goes to, in this instance, he came to our world line. When he travels, he also states that it can create a new world line because he is entering into it. So it gets like confusing. Yeah. It's like world line squared or world <laughs> line inception of it, like yeah, world yeah, lines yeah. within world lines. And our world line, he states, is 2.5% different than his. So everything that happened in his may not necessarily happen in ours, but it's close enough that they should happen. So, for instance, in 2005, we should have had a American Civil War, but because of that 2.5 variance, that could be within the area of error that would say, well, it didn't happen because it's within the 2.5 divergence. Right. So, screw you, American Civil War, it didn't happen. Like, <laughs> Yep, there's that, that little cop-out again, that, that, mm -hmm. that tiny yeah, thing that's say. like, hmm. <laughs> the the way that I looked at it too, just because of this like infinite world lines, so it would be like if every decision that you have made in your life creates in that moment a different world line, like a different, is it like a parallel earth? So that would be for every single person throughout every single aspect of time on this earth. If you made a decision, the other decision creates a world, a world line that if you had made that decision, it plays out in that world line. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, and then after that, any decision that, that you made based on that decision you did not make, so that new world line, yourself, your alternate dimension self, your AD self, is, <laughs> is out there making decisions or not making decisions on certain things. So that then in itself creates new world lines. It's just like this endless hydra of different worlds that gets created it's 
it's like it's intriguing right it, that is intriguing but then it makes me think like is that is what john is doing then time travel he's just traveling to other worlds not traveling in our time yeah it's more like dimensional travel yeah or even like is it is he traveling not back in time but just to a dimension in 1975 right and it just wasn't even our world line because he only interacted that we know of in our 2000 2001 right dimension so my god <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and then on top of this so do that due to that divergence john cannot he says it is nearly impossible to actually get back to his original timeline his world line because of the divergence all he can hope to do is when he goes back to complete his mission to return this ibm 5100 is that that world line, the divergence is so minimal that he doesn't even recognize a difference. And anybody else in that world doesn't recognize a difference that anything had changed. So it gets like this whole nother <laughs> level of you never return home. You just enter into a life on a different world line. And hopefully it's close enough that you don't notice anything that's different. What are your thoughts on that? Well, th this kind of goes into like a deeper philosophical level. Like, for example, um, every second of time, there's a even smaller amount of unit of uh, a smaller unit of time. Right. There's milliseconds, there's microseconds. Mm -hmm. and, and and each one of those instances of time, I have to exist in them. Right. So from one second to the next, am I still the same person I was a second ago? If that's the case, you know, like I choose to not blink a second ago. Does my other alternate self did oh, blink and that yeah. changes like down to the <laughs> microseconds of yeah <laughs> I, I i blinked in this second and 10 years down the line a building blows up exactly like, it's, it's like and it's, it's ashton kutcher's butterfly effect movie <laughs> it's, it's that, so the question is if you know what is it that about me that i can still remember everything i did and i still act like my personality doesn't wildly change from second to second like there's something that exists somehow in all of us that causes us to be the people that we are right like yeah. isn't that it's a strange way of thinking because it's like you know I'm, oh i'm gonna travel to a different but slightly the same uh world line where everything is just close enough and people will still recognize that it's I'll be able to recognize that it's not different. Right. But it's like you're changing things just yeah. as you're doing them, you know. And <laughs> and the, like the hard part, too, is for John to return back to his world line. Like if he goes back there and it's the divergence is too great and there's another John there. Like in that exact moment, does like he form into that John? Are there two Johns? what the hell how, like how does that reconcile and is it only like there's sort of a, the concept in uh, star trek i know in star trek the next generation i think they have a whole episode based on this on transporting yeah. so the idea behind transporting in that world is you are your entire entity is reduced down to a like digital level and then recreated on a new transporter yeah. pod are you the same person when your body gets reconnected by the computer yep is everything like that's left that planet that you transported from and then came through are you the same person or has can things change 
are are you dead and then reborn when you transport back into a new world in the Star Trek universe? Yep. And I think they even have an episode where like there's entities within the transporter field that Barkley, I think is the character's name, like he believes something's living inside him, like some sort of entity yeah. that transported with him. I don't, <laughs> I mean. That, and it's also, I don't know if you've read uh, Michael Crichton's timeline. I saw the movie. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how I've, far I've, off it was. I haven't seen the movie, so, but it's the same idea. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 they get sent back in time, but they essentially use this teleporter device where it just copies you and, uh, like on the quantum level and then recreates mm-hmm. you in, in, in a different time. I, don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I forget how it was explained, but it was the, the, the same idea that, that um, at least in the book in the beginning, there's a... There's, they find a guy that's like talking crazy and saying weird things, and then you eventually learn that if you use that device too many times, your body, every time it gets recreated, it, it, there's like tiny imperfections introduced. So it ends, mm-hmm. you end up like with mutations of or, or uh, other, you know, um, deformities, just because the, yeah, the, the, the technology is not perfect. It's like I just thought in this moment, like if you print a picture and then scan it, and then print it, and scan it, and print and scan it. There's going to be so many artifacts that are going to be found eventually in the nth scan of that image. It's not going to be the same as that original image. So if you time travel, if you teleport or whatever, whatever you have to do where your your body leaves a physical plane of existence and goes to a new one, are you the same person when you enter that new reality? Yep. That's exactly (laughs) the question. (laughs) I would say no. I don't know. What's your? Do you have a definitive answer? I don't. Because you you are not. You are not the thing that left. Yeah. That plane of existence. Something else uh, like interacted with you to change you. I would say no. I don't know what impact that has on anything, but <laughs> I mean, I would say no. Uh, back to John. <laughs> then, how did John plan to get home, or at least to, as we said, a close close enough proximity to home that it was yeah close enough and he didn't care he explains his return trip in this fashion and hold on to your butts <laughs> gets wild so he says please be aware the displacement unit moves through time not space so i guess i was wrong with what i was saying because now he's saying that it it does indeed move through time and not space or in that aspect of it being time <laughs> in essence though time you have to wait for the world yeah for earth to get back into the correct spot to be able to transport back into time but then aren't you still traveling through space like aren't <laughs> you're, you're you're stuck <laughs> in one spot in space i guess but i guess yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't get it either <laughs> but you still physically move you're moving you're moving spatially somewhere because he says it takes time yeah and we didn't mention it you mentioned it in brief uh keep the windows up so he has this entire part where because you have to bring oxygen to uh, to survive the the travel because it can take hours of you traveling through time to get back into time so you have to bring excess oxygen to be able to breathe but the gravity pocket that it creates it brings air with it so he states that you can roll down the window to the vehicle and i think he's traveling in like a 75 chevrolet uh, back into 1975, so the car matches the timeline, and 
so you <laughs> you can roll down the window and breathe the air for me i don't know if that was the moment where it was like is this the jump the shark moment for this story <laughs> is that was that too much for me to handle of okay you can travel through time in this vehicle mm-hmm. but you can roll down your windows like i don't know <laughs> like that was something that's maybe i don't know why that is too much for my mind to be able to handle from being this is acceptable to now this is lunacy <laughs> Now one little detail. I just, I just got an image of like a truck in space just <laughs> waiting for the earth to show up. <laughs> well, I'm going to roll down my window, catch some uh, vacuum of air, like space, time, and air, and stick my hand out there. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny because he's saying it takes time to travel back in time, but... I'm so there, you are aging. You are aging you, to go yeah, back into time. You are aging. Not only that, but if I just don't understand, how is it that you're aging? Like, why does time still exist in your little bubble? It doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> and not only that, but it's like, if it's take, like, I'm not anywhere near a physicist or anything but i'm pretty sure a lot of people are can you do long division in your head can you multiply in your head will you survive 2036 no i won't but i feel like a lot of uh of scientists have you know talk about space and time as one thing so you can't have one without the other so to be able to say that i'm not traveling through space but i am traveling through time this doesn't make sense to me. It, I feel like they're they're one and the same, you know the the idea. Yeah, that they go hand in hand. You cannot yeah. you cannot remove one and still have the other. And then and then claim that you still take time to do something like it doesn't it doesn't add up. Yeah. So like even when he's traveling, where does he go? Is he in like a thread between worlds between world lines? Is like is there then like a is it like a pocket dimension that you enter? <laughs> I mean, like you have to physically go somewhere well, po- to pocket dimensions. To, are... You got a got a Cotton Eye Joe to, to go <laughs> from for someone to go somewhere. To, yeah. come, to come from somewhere, you have to go somewhere. Pocket dimensions are like the le- the next n- latest thing. So, you know, who knows? Is it is that the new catch-all <laughs> of explanations? Pocket dimensions? Maybe. <laughs> Did John create them <laughs> in all of his world lines? Oh my God. Back to how he planned. I don't even remember how we got off that tangent here, but maybe just the reconciliation of oh, space and time, I think it was. Yeah. That little thing. So he says, please be aware that the displacement unit moves through time, not space. First, we will be driving the current vehicle, a Chevy truck, with the displacement unit in it to Tampa, Florida. From there, we will go back to my arrival date on this world line. Then we will have to drive to Minnesota, sell the current vehicle, and get another one that would have been around in 1975. We will then move the displacement unit, and he says 500 pounds or so in parentheses, into the new vehicle and go back to 1975. Once in 1975, we'll drive back to Tampa and make the final hop to 2036. It can also get quite hot and stuffy th- during the trip, and you'll be subjugated to 1.5 to 2 G-force the entire time. So, on top of all that that we were talking about, his traveling with his windows down in his gravity pocket, the entire time, it's not just this simple ride. 
So you're for hours going at 1.5 to 2 Gs in force the entire time. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> How does your body just not b- expel everything once you're done with that trip? <laughs> I also got hung up on this, like, traveling to Minnesota, time traveling, and then traveling back to Florida. Unless it's an explanation of, like, the like rotation of the Earth. And that's in his time to get back to that period in space where the Earth would have to be in 1975 would be like from where Tampa currently is in that timeline. Minnesota would currently be occupying that time in the past. I That's my only thought on how that could play into having to travel in 1975 from Florida to Minnesota. I just don't understand that part of it. And I never see a clear explanation in his postings explaining that further. Mm-hmm. Do you have any theories on that or? Nope. nope. It's just, as <laughs> just a mystery. It's just <laughs> as confusing as it sounds. <laughs> and he also then breaks down his traveling into this as the way that he travels. So he says, on my world line, which we'll call what he calls A in 2036, I was given a mission in 1975. I turned my machine on and jump to another world line B in 1975 with about a 2% divergence from A. From the very point I turn my machine off, B, I create a new world line just because I'm there. This line can be described as C and started when I got to B. I am now doing my mission on line C in 1975, and I discover a very good reason to go forward on C and see what happened. I turn my machine on and go forward on C to the year 2000. When I turn it off, I start another line called D. So from my perspective, we are on line D in the year 2000. So our 2000, where he's interacting with us, was line D. In order to go home to line A, I must turn on my machine on and go back on D and try to reach C, which in turn would take me back to B, which in turn makes me, takes me to a point before I arrived on B. Then I go forward from that point I arrived on B back to A. So the way that I imagine, it's like you're like snaking back and forth. So you start on A, go to D, you're on D, C, B, A. You gotta go back in reverse, uh, the same exact reverse destination. What the hell do you make of this logic, Angel? Does this, is that reasonable? <laughs> I, I, I can't even follow. <laughs> I know. So you go from A to 1975, which creates world line B. He then has to go to, oh, I mean, he, he, so he starts in A, and he goes back to 1975, and that is in B. But because he is just entering B, like his existence into that creates C, and he likes what he's seeing on C. He sees something in the future. I don't know how, like <laughs> anything, reasoning for that. He has a good reason to stay on C and go forward. But when he goes forward, he's not on C anymore. He, he he creates a new world line D. Okay. That new that new world line that he created is ours. That a divergence was whatever it needs to do to reconcile on the computer. He enters our timeline, which is his D timeline. So he's A B C D four timelines removed from his original timeline. Okay. To then get back to his timeline, he can't go from D to A. Because the divergence is too much. it's It doesn't exist. He has to go back from D to his spot in C. So, the exact spot back to B and then back to his original A or a close, close proximity of A. So, so my, my, my issue with this logic is wouldn't going back 
still create a different divergence. I mean, yes, <laughs> I would think so, but it does not reconcile for him that he he's re-entering C. So presumably, in his explanation, then it would mean the computer can, since maybe it was already there, it can make the same calculation to go back. Is that a catch-all to explain? So the computer can only it? calculate the places it's been? Is that what I'm... Yeah. <laughs> to get to an exact point, to an exact world line. Maybe. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't... It seems odd that a computer can do these calculations, but it can't reconcile the difference between D and A and say, oh, well, we just got to do this to go back to the original instead of having to do all these backwards yeah. hopping why can't why can't it like extrapolate the data and just go from d to a yeah <laughs> why do you have to physically go from d to c to b to a <laughs> I, maybe general electric isn't good enough <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't take that into account like our computers can they, only calculate a certain path i should have went with hewlett packard or dell or i don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe they should have waited to, maybe they should have learned some of these uh, machine learning algorithms that we've developed now and all this AI stuff, and then maybe that I could know. have helped them out in their future. <laughs> nope. None of it. No. <laughs> on his world line, it didn't happen that way, Angel. Now, to make everything even muddier. So in his final days of his postings in 2001, he says that he needs to make a three-week stopover in 1998 to do some sort of personal thing. So was that to send the facts? <laughs> but beyond that, this is where it gets messier because then would he make E, world line E, because he's going back to 98. So then does he have to go back to 2000, then back to 1975? Like, yeah, I, would, I, would I would think, think so, so, right? Yeah. Does that logic follow? Okay. In this whole time though, he is also staying, so he, he states he's staying with his parents. He is staying with himself. His baby self, yep. his, at this point, two-year-old, three-year-old self, I think he says three-year-old self. I guess that dispels the notion that you can't coexist in the same timeline that you are already in. And I think, indeed, he even mentions in another post that he had previously met himself in a different timeline. And then, like, they got in the car together and transported to another time together. And, like, met up with a third <laughs> iteration of himself. This, this, this sounds like the plot to, to, the, to the one with Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to end with him on like an asteroid planet and like fighting a thousand versions of himself and what's what's interesting is all these movies that i'm thinking of uh, that i've h uh the time machine and the one and uh, like you said it came out maybe to in the 2000s early 2000s maybe late 90s mm -hmm. and the one came out in 2001 it's like they're all within the same like uh -huh. is he time getting frame. ideas from these things and it's just mashing them up like is he, is he a, con a script consultant for Hollywood <laughs> and is like getting advanced copies of all these scripts and it's like, okay, this is the, uh, this is the way things are going. This is the divergence, 2.5% <laughs> divergence. Yeah. I'm basing it all on Jet Li <laughs> and this random movie he's making about <laughs> time travel. So yeah, he's living with himself in, in, in 2000, 2001. And he's like, like helping raise himself so another question I pose for you here. So if if your offspring were to come from, or somebody claiming to be your child comes from the they say they come from the future and they want to stay with you. I mean, is that an easy sell? Is that easy to believe? Yes. Like, 
Did you just take them at their face value? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll go on a you, limb here. You look at the baby. I'm here for the ride. You look at the baby, and then you look back at him. And you're like, oh, I see the resemblance. <laughs> yeah. So here's like another philosophical question too: Is that John, that's the adult John, staying with them? Is that their son? Well, I mean, based on his explanations of how the time travel works, I would say no. Yeah, because his there could be that in that 2.5% divergence. So it's shown that in the, the years that have passed in our world, so the Civil War didn't happen when he said, the World War III didn't happen when he said, numerous things did not happen. So it could be enough of a divergence that the John in our timeline that grows up ends up being a serial killer or something like that. Like, yep. he would not be that well, John. He would lose his mind because he's thinking about this John that came from the I future. <laughs> Uncle John that came to stay with me. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with the same thoughts that that is not their son. Like, there are differences in the time, than the world lines that he is too far removed. He is no longer your child. That is somebody else's child. He may look like yours, and speak like him but his his future life growing up in the swamps he lives in a tree house in florida he says <laughs> because of the flooding of florida like that and and becomes a shotgun infantryman at the age of 13 that is a different life than your child lives he is not your child uh, yeah i mean right now he's in his 20s yeah <laughs> so he's living the life right now he's florida's not flooded <laughs> <laughs> and and he go, yeah yeah he goes back to um, hasn't been cut off by Bugs Bunny yet with the saw <laughs> he's going back to specifically to 2000 to pick up items that he says were lost in in the scuffle of the Civil War mm-hmm. so then I mean, uh, this is another issue I have are those items actually like the same things that he would be looking for is the divergence different enough that like would it make reason would it be reasonable for him to travel into the year 2000 to try to retrieve these items for personal use. Would these items even that, exist? Yeah, exist, yeah. It's it's bonkers. <laughs> I don't know. It's like hard to <laughs> mentally reconcile. Yeah. Eventually though, in March of 01, John posted he would be leaving us with wonderful comments such as the reason time travelers do not reveal themselves is because your society scares the hell out of us. <laughs> And later on, he says, I have stated that, quite frankly, you all scare the hell out of me, and I'm sure that other temporal drivers would feel the same. The reason for this was the like extreme hostility that he was getting on the message boards, presumably, <laughs> of uh, no one believing him. But he also said he did not care if anybody believed him. Yep. So he presented images of the, of the unit, of his manual, of a, like a cross-section of the time travel device that a man ended up patenting and like tried to reverse engineer and patented with the United States. I mean, it, the story gets crazy then enough time that we have to cover. He, he left some final words and just like that, John Titer stopped posting. This, however, was not the last of his impact. Since then, certain corners of the internet have been embedded in a war of was this real <laughs> or was it just some elaborate hoax? Yep. So I'm, I'm curious, Angel, where do you fall on this? Are you a hoaxer or are you a denier or even just open to entertain the idea that he was telling the truth? Well, based on my statements I've already mentioned throughout and my incredulity, I must say that (laughs) this man, John Titor, John Teeter, John Titter, 
I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to be a time traveler and I want to do everything he's done. <laughs> Damn it. This man has won my heart and soul. And it didn't take six weeks to get there. Nope. <laughs> it's happening right now. You went, maybe you went back in time to this moment, replaced yourself. Oh, and uh, maybe I had a convincing conversation. I don't know. With your future self. <laughs> On my side of it, I guess I'm open to entertain the idea. But I still think it falls on the hoax. I think it was an elaborate hoax that somebody put a lot of time on. I think it really was like an early days alternate reality game. Yep. And I think it can boil down to that. So we usually break down some theories about an entity. And I know there are out there in other discussions of John, of like breakdowns of who could have been John, who could have made these postings? And I don't particularly want to get into that part of it too much in, in this moment, unless you have other thoughts on if you wanted to bring forward some theories. I I wanted to take a moment for this here and now to talk about some of the predictions of what John was making so that there's maybe a clearer idea of what he was saying and, and we can discuss and see if, if he was close. Was he too far off? Was it real? One of the first things he mentions was that the internet is still alive and well in the future. People spend more time talking because life is more centered on the community. True or false? <laughs> Fact or fiction? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Maybe a little bit off su uh, subject here. Do you believe the internet is in a good spot for social responsibility? Maybe that's diverging from this question, but I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Like, is social media a good thing? <laughs> well, that, that is a tricky question. I... It can be a good thing. Um, it's it's interesting because from what I've seen, it depends on which social media, right? Yeah. For example, there's there's that you know there's the the perception that Instagram, you go to Instagram to see all the people being happy. You go to Twitter to see everyone being angry. You go to oh okay. Yeah, you, you go to Facebook <laughs> to to see you know to see them insane. It, <laughs> I was going to say crazy, but yeah, it's so it's like, which, which mood do you want to go? You pick the platform, right? Mm -hmm. Snapchat. You just want to see, you know, people, I don't know, snapping pictures. Now, yep. now you got TikTok. If you, TikTok to see them dancing or if you want to see filming ghosts. kids being stupid. I don't know. <laughs> Lip syncing. As far as like what, what he's saying that people spend more time talking because life is more centered on the community. I think in our world line, completely false. I think community is breaking down. Yep. Specifically in, in this moment, uh, very much a clear breakdown of society on the precipice here if you're of the mind of like extremism taking over. People in this instance as well with the pandemic actively stepping away from community, like <laughs> not interacting with community and the uh, ramifications of not interacting with community for foreseeably possibly the next year like that's yeah. some interesting aspects of that does that play into john's prediction was it just occurring differently on our timeline now well, well there is you know it comes to mind that there is this idea that if you can go back in time you wouldn't be able to change the outcome you'd just be able to slightly influence it in some way um, is that like final destination take on it like 
<laughs> death finds a way to catch up to you. Yeah, like time will find like a way the, to correct itself. Kind of like that. Um, there's a few TV shows that uh, sci-fi shows that have had you know a time travel episode where people get stuck in the loop kind of thing, and mm-hmm. like a Groundhog's Day yeah, scenario. Yeah, and one of them, um, Farscape great show greatest show ever by the way <laughs> they have Ooh. they have a Ooh. yeah they have mighty works <laughs> the, there's an episode where the the main character john that's his name actually oh okay <laughs> gets uh, stuck in a time loop and and he it always ends the same he ends up kind of like restarting but it always ends the same no matter what he does but it always goes differently so, and, and, and the, I think the, the way the episode frames it is that, and I feel like a lot of people didn't understand this part because I've listened to some podcasts about this episode and they just didn't get it. But the, the, the show is, the, the episode is framed in a way that, that John realizes that even though he can't change how it, the, uh, how the future is going to, the outcome, he, he, he realizes he does have some control and he can kind of guide how it ends up. So like in the end, instead of the ship blowing up, he manages to make it so that the ship blows up further away kind of thing. Right. For whatever reason. But you know, the idea is that you can't change what's going to happen, but at least you can kind of influence it to Mm -hmm. change. So I'm thinking maybe John T you know, war- came back in time, warned us, and now kind of delayed what's going to happen, right? So maybe the mm. world war didn't happen in 2015, but maybe it's going to happen like in 2025 now. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah delaying things because we're eating meat that's being transported on trucks. <laughs> I don't know. Well, another because uh, the Chris reason why imports their meat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> another reason that he was so into this was. Like, a big thing that impacted his world was, uh, like, a strain of mad cow disease. So, I guess, like, all meat was off the menu, uh, to say it lightly. But I don't, I don't know. The next one he says is uh, someone asking about cameras. He responds, yes, we have cameras. More digital. Film is used like painting is today. No hologram camera today. True. True. Like, 100% true. That has completely been the trend towards digital. And... I might be wrong on this. I swear I remember hearing a bit ago about maybe it was Canon. Like they they have stopped creating film cameras. Really? I think I think this was a few years ago. Wow. Yeah. And just completely just digital cameras. So is it just somebody that was ahead of the time, like curve, I'm, and saw I, a change, or trying to put yourself back in two thousand? Was that? I feel writing on the wall. I feel like. Yeah, like I saw that coming, mm-hmm. you know. Um, back in two thousand, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I had heard of DVDs, but you know, I didn't own any, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and they were quite expensive then. And yeah, then, unless you had like a PlayStation Two, <laughs> yeah, whenever that came out, like that was for a lot of people. I think the first DVD player yeah. they had for our age. And and then. I don't know if you if you're gonna get into this or if I'm gonna ruin it for you, but I mean he does mention that they watch video uh, videotapes. Yes, I don't think I had written that down. I've we had so, talked about it. So it's like yeah, they're all digital cameras, show. but mm-hmm. you know, we still use videotapes. Yeah, he specifically <laughs> says <on>. videotapes. <laughs> I think for me that was one of those words that was like a red herring of 
why would he say videotapes? Yeah. Because that should he should be so far removed from that technology. When was the last time you saw a VHS, maybe like a flea market for like 25 cents or something like that? And it was like some movie like well, I'll, Men, I'll be, Men in I'll Black be, or something? Be the first, or do you have one in, in view <laughs> I'll be the right first now. to admit that my parents still have some VHSs, some VCRs. They have a whole collection of VHS movies. I don't know what they're going to do with them. <laughs> but Do they still have a VH, uh, VHS player? Uh, I, I Maybe they... They still might have built into a TV (laughs) built into one of those huge, like bulbous TVs. (laughs) No, from so long ago. We actually never had one that was built in, but we definitely had the VCRs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, why would he, it'd be like him saying cassette or something like that. Like, like there, that technology is dead. Not only that, but it's like, I, it's like, you know, we, I, I could say cassette, you know, as a slip of the tongue. Cause that's what we used to say back all the time. Right. But mm-hmm. if he was born in 98, that's not something that's not, you know, something he would have in his he'd be saying stuff like CDs, right? Yeah, or, CD, or yeah, MP3s. CD. Uh, like another one is to put it in to ground it in reality, the floppy disk icon, the save icon. Yeah. Like a lot of younger the younger generation do not know it as a floppy like that thing is a floppy disk. It's just the save icon. Yep. Save like there is no physical entity like representation in the real world of that item it's just an icon that you click to save your progress like i imagine that should be the same thing for john and there's, video tape yeah there's like it should not exist in his lexicon <laughs> yeah there's a there's a i think it was a tweet where somebody had a floppy a floppy disk and his kid said hey his kid said hey dad looks like you um, 3D printed the save icon. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, we like in a span of such short time, like the the technology change, and in John's time, 16 years in our future, like into the future. Yeah, uh, GE has made a time machine. So, <laughs> uh, do the GE engineers know what a floppy disk is at that point in time? <laughs> the next one he says is. Uh, yes, we have phones, but the service is through the web. Most power generation is localized. So true or false, I guess, in relation to the phone and of it also being then portable. That, that one's trickier. I, I feel like this is, again, kind of like being in the know of technology mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, I, I guess a phone is self-powered, but you still have to charge it. Yeah. And there are ways to there's like mesh networks that if you have like the software installed on your phone and if everyone else has this software so- uh, installed on their phone, they can communicate with each other. Like if it was an Internet without needing an outside Internet connection mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I- and a lot of like businesses have changed their phone lines to Internet based like phones yeah. systems, too. So I guess for that instance, it's fact. I'm going to pull something out of what I had for uh, Rubik of Power because I looked into this. If he was just on the technology curve trying to predict the future, if he had like knowledge of markets, in 2000, I looked it up, 405 million cell phones were sold in the year 2000. So was that really that hard of a change <laughs> to see it changing to cell phone? And then I think... Is it too hard to then understand that would be a mobile market and then transition to a web-based market? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that's too far out of reality to predict that if you're into market trends and things like that. Yeah. The next one he says, hats are more common in the future and flashy colors are less common. Dress is much more functional and we dress up whenever we get a chance. Hats, common in the future. What are your thoughts on this random? Like what? It's exactly what you said. It just seems so random. Hats are big in the future, guys. Like who asked? I need to know, John, what is the status of the hat? What's the fashion like in 2036? We've got hats. Uh But for, I think on a most basic level, that's a good way to help say if this is real or not like if he didn't have a realistic answer on the clothes at all that would lead towards it being completely fake yeah but at the same time who the hell knows like (laughs) flashy colors are less common so i mean that's just based on fabrics i guess at that point in his time everything's localized so it makes sense that everything's less flashy because you don't have access to dyes of the sorts so they're back to making their own clothes just like the Uh Amish. yep and they're making their own hats and everyone's wearing them (laughs) his next one is for a change i have a question for you all i want you to think very hard what major disaster was expected and prepared for in the last year and a half that never happened so this is in relation to the y2k bug so what are your thoughts on i guess there's a school of thought that he he singularly prevented the y2k fiasco from happening it seems to be that a lot of people believe that he mentions the computer. There, there's going to be an issue with a Unix system in the year 2030. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it seems to be that the, 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 the issue is very similar to the Y2K problem, which is something about the, the way the years are being represented in that, in that machine, in the, in, the, in the Unix machines. But, I mean, it's, it's like you already come off as a... As a time traveler you concocted this very elaborate story and it's and it's like yeah why not i i, I also fix y2k i mean there's no way to disprove it there's no way to prove it i mean it's just mm-hmm. okay <laughs> is, is that just a mechanism to ground it in reality of like this ended up not being as big as a problem as it really was yeah and did i have a way in solving it like <laughs> It, it does it just play into his like theatrics of it yeah i, I don't know i think it, i think it does thinking that he just really thought all of this out <laughs> and the next thing he says is the average temperature worldwide is a bit cooler so <laughs> how do you think that's trending <laughs> this just leads to the whole i think i feel like all the the john t believers are are going to be more on the on the whole spectrum of climate change is not real this it always happens oh because now because okay. because they say there's a period there's periods of time in history where it gets hotter and then it gets cooler so i feel like they're going to use that as oh look he says it gets cooler therefore we're not on a again the divergence issue in his world it just didn't end up being a big enough problem and his world got cooler his next one, he says, the office of president is far more diluted and decentralized than it is here. The powers of the national government are more defined and reside more at the county and state level. For me, this is when John really started to get into the aspect of like a libertarian focus and presentation of the future. 
like a, a lot of what he was saying and a lot of the representation of the government decentralized seems like a, a libertarian uh, dream <laughs> and he i think he even got asked are you a libertarian <laughs> and things like that and he's like well there's no political aspect of myself and things like that but politics don't very, exist in the future in the future yeah <laughs> we're just surviving i mean as far as the office of the president getting diluted hell no we are on a path towards centralized power like in a in the executive branch yeah would you agree yep like things with executive orders the legality of them or not since 2008 have a very drastic change in the amount of executive orders being issued by presidents yeah uh not so correct john <laughs> but again he had a civil war that changed everything and has a new constitution so divergence yep. is again maybe an issue i'm trying i'm starting to think that maybe he came up with his plan for time travel the story and he wrote out a basic outline and then he just asked himself questions like what if they ask about this and then he comes up with an answer for that and he just kept mm -hmm. doing that until he was able to cover his bases and i guess in maybe defense of it being a hoax his answers weren't immediately. It wasn't like a. He says he was in chat rooms sometimes, like uh, conversing immediately with people. But I've I've never seen any chat logs related to it or any anyone really talk about like they were there in a chat room with him. It's a message board, so there is time to present your response. It's not immediate. It's not like it could be days until he responds. And then his argument was, "Oh, I was busy doing time travel stuff. Like I, uh, now I finally got your answer." Yeah. Does it just give him enough time to make a coherent response or like theatrical response? Or sometimes he would not answer it and then pose his answer as a question. Yeah. And the, the next one is the thing that most people point to. Well, this is why his theory being a time traveler, his representation of being a time traveler is false. Everything's a hoax. As a result of the many conflicts, there were no official Olympics after the year 2004. However, it appears that they may be revived in 2040. So that the Olympics ended in 2004. Argument sometimes is that people wish they had <laughs> because aren't interested in the Olympics anymore. Yeah. I mean, there is the, again, the delay where now because of the pandemic, they were yep. um, not happening. But does that mean they're not going to happen until 2040? I don't think yeah. so. And then, and then why in 2004? Four did the end like he, he mentions in the conflicts there's a lot of middle eastern stuff going on israel and i think saudi arabia are uh, in, uh, ones involved there and then it goes into 2005 american civil war but there's a whole lot of rest of the world out there yeah that could still be holding the olympics and the and world war three doesn't happen for another 10 years after that so that's two more olympic games that could occur <laughs> like why in 2004 did they just stop like they're like uh, America can't come next year, so eh, we won't hold it. It kind of feels like he he'll maybe throw a big one out there just to see what happens. Yeah, like, I'm gonna yeah. be kind of vague, but here uh, the Olympics aren't happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, in in our reality, we've been embedded in Afghanistan since 2001, <laughs> and Olympics have gone on since then. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> things happen in the world and other things still occur. Yeah. I don't, I, I guess I think this was one of his like, Ooh, this could be one of my juicy bits. <laughs> like Olympics are done Yeah, and it could help people like 
grab on like, ooh, maybe this is real. Because maybe it's something that a lot of people can relate to watching the Olympics. And that's gone out of your life. I don't know. And for you, I mean, your Olympic gymnastics routine up in the air. Yeah, my career would be <laughs> over. So that's that's all I have for the predictions that uh, that John had uh, said were to come to pass in our world line that may or may not have happened. Did you have anything else to add about John before we enter the rubric of power and see if he can somehow be on the same level as the Wendigo or beyond? <laughs> well, I just... I just want to add that there are several people that exist, as you mentioned before, that that, uh, that in the corners of the internet that fervently believe in John and his predictions. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to read to you some titles. There's one called Who Authored the John Titer Legend? An Investigation into the Origins of the John Titer Time Travel Posts. That's a book on Amazon. You can totally buy it. Not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one on Amazon called A um, Conviction of a Time Traveler. The First Credible Investigation of John Titer. Anonymous. So. I mean, put your name out there, guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, yeah. Well, I mean, are you, I guess tr- logically you're trying to figure this out. Why would you want to hide your name in that? <laughs> Not only that, but you're charging $10? Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) 10 bucks. There's another little document I found called John Titer, The Secrets Unveiled. Find out the credibility of a time traveler by The Researcher. So another anonymous name. And he he has the best. Probably the same person. (laughs) (laughs) He has the best cover for his book, too. (laughs) It's uh, drawn in MS Paint. Drawn in MS Paint, yeah, of John traveling from another earth world line killing a, a physical bug labeled y2k bug and the uh-huh. question through say, a donut travel through a donut <laughs> killed by john titer question mark <laughs> and it's like the bug's bigger than him and it's a phys- like a, a an insect yeah like, yeah <laughs> it's not like a computer bug it's representation as like a giant cockroach <laughs> And just to like <laughs> pound it into your skull, bug. And the, the the whole document is, I guess, trying to show how uh, John was accurate or correct and stuff. But the way it's written, it's 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 like it tries to sound very scientific about it, but it's not really like pseudo sciencey sort of way. Maybe is that how it's I, written? I, or I I want I would like to say that, but that's not even the case. Like, like it'll say, um, <clears throat> like for example, here in, in terms of the singularity donut, he refers to for the time oh, travel. So he was flying through a donut. <laughs> yeah. So he says many tighter debunkers say that it is impossible for tighter to sit inside a gravitational gradient since the one over r squared law is violated, and other physics laws does not allow time traveling to be possible in that way. And then he goes on to say their logic is obviously flawed because the science. The science, as we see it today, might have, this is my emphasis, might have undergone a lot of changes in 30 years. So that doesn't say anything. That doesn't prove anything. It's just, he's just speculating that, oh, it could change. <laughs> I mean, that's not evidence. It could change. 
Divergence document is written this way where it's like, well, well you know, this could be that way. Uh, this could happen. He also makes very um, bold statements. For example, he says that the volcano in Yellowstone will erupt in 2005. Or yeah, like it would be the event, the, the super volcano the, yeah. event. So the the volcano erupting is what's going to cause the civil war or the world war or one of those wars to, to start. And and this the document was written before then, so he was just pretty much saying. He has a sentence in there that says, we'll know if John Titor was telling the truth or not if this thing happens. Well, that event came and went and nothing happened. So I guess we can safely say John Titor debunked. Yeah. <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks to this guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I don't even know how he came to the conclusion that, oh, Yellowstone is erupting. That's the event that's going to. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he goes over it because I see a lot of diagrams and maps of the United States, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to read through all that. <laughs> yeah, that's the catalyst that makes rural versus urban uh, civil war. <laughs> um, I also, you know, uh, the idea that we're talking about John Titor as a cryptid tickles my tickles <laughs> tickles, tickles me. So, you know, just to make it a little bit more valid. There are other time travelers that have existed. There's a more recent one named Noah. I, I believe that's not his real name, but he goes by Noah. And he also made some predictions on crumpled up pieces of paper. <laughs> um, pretty, not, not as refined presentation as John. <laughs> not, yeah, so John is like the only one that really went all out for this. And then the other time travelers were like a woman in a Charlie Chaplin movie. A picture of a hipster in 1941. This guy named Hakan Nordvisk, which ended up being like a commercial. Some guy named Andrew Carlson, who was uh, caught making tons of money on, um, I think it was stock tips and and races. And it turns out he was a time traveler. That's how he knew how to get the the right. Dang, the damn sports almanacs always (laughs) coming into play. Yeah, but... Apparently, this might have been a made-up news story by the newspaper to get more readership. <laughs> Are we entering Spring Hill Jack territory? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a guy named Paul Dinock who uh, had written a journal. He had fallen into a coma, and he came when he came out of the coma, he supposedly uh, had traveled to the year 3906. So that's even further than John Titor. And... In this um, journal, he kind of writes down what he saw in this future and predictions of, you know, humanity. But the little thing, weird things uh, about this is that his diary was translated by a guy named George Papachatzis. And the book is called Chronicles from the Future. If anyone's interested, The Amazing Story of Paul Amadeus Dinak. But I can't find anything about this guy, only about George. And it kind of sounds like George just wrote this book, like a novel, in diary format and just kind of framed it of as a story of this guy that he translated his diary and then he traveled through time. So I don't know what to make of that. And I think in John's explanation of the future, no one is able to go past, I think, twenty the year 2500, somewhere around there. Like there's there's like a he says a brick wall is hit in time traveling and no one can go past it. So some sort of event happens. Like is at the end 
of the multiverse <laughs> is at the end of everything <laughs> on every single world line is at the end and then like my first thought was if you can't get past it we'll go like a year before it and <laughs> see what happens see what and, happens and then and then I mean, go from timeline b back to timeline a like but well there is like a explains it that way doctor who episode of when they travel to the end of the universe or something like that it was like the first okay. one of the first first few seasons or something on board mm-hmm. the ship is like the last human which is like a weird skin flap thing <laughs> jesus it's like on it's uh, on uh the show red dwarf like there was uh, the character cat was when it, the ship launched was a cat but over the ship has been out in space for so long cat evolved from a true cat into a human cat like a, his name is cat and he's just like a, a james brown character <laughs> that's uh they call cat and he's just a human <laughs> so yeah that's that's all i got on that as far as the, like the things that you mentioned i have heard of the charlie chaplin lady in the movie she's like a background character looks like she's on a cell phone or some sort of future technology and then people are like ooh she was on she was on set she snuck on set or something like that and uh-huh. that's a defense of time traveling and then as far as the hipster dude i can picture it in my mind he's like holding the camera think around sort of chest level and he has like a sweater on that's open in the middle like not buttoned and a what appears to be a screen printed t-shirt and the argument is screen printed t-shirts did not exist when that picture was taken so something yeah. must have occurred for him to have that garment from the future, which people would think, oh, especially with since he has a camera, he was there documenting <laughs> something for the future. Like, And he's got I stylish sunglasses. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So there's defenses and debunkings and all that. Various things, but just like John. So there's multiple things. I think I mentioned to you prior, like in the research, it's like a, I would be interested to know of like a, the Wendigo psychosis, a time traveler psychosis. So this idea like that, uh, rather than thinking that you have to devolve into cannibalism, like this thought that you believe you're a time traveler, like do other countries have this issue of our, <laughs> is there a like uh, Brazilian John Titer that's <laughs> like is on the forum somewhere saying that he's their version of General Electric built a time machine? Like, why is it always America? It seems is the the forefront of time travel. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, maybe maybe that's part of the reason that we don't hear about the other countries because I never hear about anything about other countries anyway. It's, yeah. I, yeah. Where's the Italian time travel? I've, I've been looking for books that I find on like authors from other places and I can't find any of them on Amazon when I look them up. It's almost, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, because it's not an English speaking. I don't know. It's... it's it's weird. It's like the it's like the Mongolian death worm and books written in Mongolian about the Mongolian death yep. worm. We don't have access to them. Yep. <laughs> They're not translated. Exactly. I think I think um for those Chinese Chinese books in particular, I'm gonna hire that lady that translated <laughs> <laughs> the chasing the dragon book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was able to translate ancient Chinese that no one else was able to. <laughs> so she is the final hope. <laughs> For humanity. Yep. Get her, Carl Shooker. Get <laughs> Jay Michael. Get them all in a room. Oh my God. We're solving this. That's the. That's the. Uh, that's Jonathan Frakes can be the mediator, like, <laughs> then between it all. That's a super group right there. 
It's like the Avengers assembling. <laughs> so one one final thing I want to ask you before we get into the rubric of power in this never-ending episode, <laughs> this marathon episode we have of the way that John represents the world lines. So this idea of the way he represents it too is that he can't really influence our timeline, but he can. He like goes back and forth a little bit on it a little bit and then he gets this sort of the aspect of he doesn't care if he influences it that's why he's talking with us but at the same time he has his rules of he he can't give specific information about things because he doesn't want to influence people so there's like like this disconnect in some of the things he's saying but in relation to how he presents the world lines and like how we advance through time so like the world line that we're existing is because of the actions that we have individually taken pretty much is why we're each in this world line so is there any free will that got us here or is each world line really predetermined in how it gets there and each other world line is in existence because everything's really just predetermined and that's why there's able to be so many different world lines playing out at the same time well if well, that's a weird if all the world lines are playing at the same time for all the different possible possibilities mm-hmm. i mean does that still mean free wills not doesn't exist because because if you're saying all of these ex- possibilities exist then we're also saying that that it doesn't matter if free will exists or not because you could still do yeah, everything already happened. <laughs> everything that ha- that can happen is happening, yeah. and and has happened or will happen. Like, but so then, really, then is there even is there even free will or predetermined, or is it just things have to happen this way because the world line demands it? If if you believe that the entire universe and reality in it is governed by mathematics, by the way mathematics is presented then everything would be predetermined because it's just one function because everything's spitting out yeah. a specific out, output. Mm-hmm. I don't th- I don't think I don't think that's the case though. I think there's something there's like a tiny spark that exists in the universe that just adds a little bit of randomness somewhere and it just mm-hmm. spreads kind of thing like individually to each person to to everything make, i think yeah to make decisions uh that influence every action that you make yeah maybe the the way that john also maybe reconciles this is he brings a religious aspect of it because in his postings he does mention god a lot and that in in his 2036 people are like there has been a resurgence back to religion <laughs> uh rather than the current trend of going away from religion for younger generations he his belief is that when somebody dies and go to heaven or hell, their their accumulation of what they have done across every world line is what is judged by God. Jeez. But at the same time, because everything that you do in all those world lines, every like all your actions of good versus evil, they end up equaling. So there is no evil. There is no good in the world because every action you take is played out on different world lines. Yeah. So it all balances out to have a, a neutral 
like alignment of good versus evil and that is what i guess god judges but then at the same time what's the purpose of anything across those lines to be judged if it all is null and void at the end of it because it all equals out so it's yeah. like i guess philosophically when he presents it makes maybe some sense on his end of it but when you look at it then there's no point to anything because you're judged on all of your lives across all world lines and the equal goodness versus badness to to void and <laughs> i don't know any thoughts on that because i don't i guess necessarily agree with it well if, i mean if that were the case if all these world lines exist of me doing different things I guess my question is, is that must mean that there is a true me a, somewhere that kind of, yeah. kind mm -hmm. of controls all of that. Like there is an original you. And right. And, right. and then that, cause it's like, I can't remember something that never happened, like another world line of me. So that must mean that there's a, a true me that can, that, that creates other world lines. Yeah. So by default, those other world lines are not correct right <laughs> i mean how can it be i mean they're just infinite right because they're not the ones that you made <laughs> and then by the act of creating those world lines it's not like i guess there's also this aspect of the when a world line is created because of the choices that you make like how does the world line just begin there is that the beginning of time <laughs> of uh, of us making this decision to make this podcast yeah so an offshoot then there's a world line where we did not make this podcast does that world line begin when we said eh screw it we don't want to do this it's too much work <laughs> is that the beginning of time <laughs> is that the big bang <laughs> yeah it's 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 i don't yeah it doesn't make sense or does it <laughs> i don't know there's a podcast of me out there saying it does make sense in another world line <laughs> yep. so there's a podcast out there where we mentioned in the first episode what that heinous thing <laughs> that we cut out from it is it's still out there but it's not this world line <laughs> now you're gonna make our curiosities even more curious <laughs> <You're> more curious <laughs> so this far into the episode mega megasode here that we're calling it now the rubric of power let us see how john does into our grading of him that all other 10 entities have had the same grading. So <laughs> this might be quick. <laughs> I don't know where you're at for it, but how about the powers of John Titer Teeter Titter? So I'll just give it to you straight. I give him a two. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm surprised. <laughs> time travel is cool, but can he really? <laughs> oh, no. It's like you're flying. Is time travel the same flying? <laughs> like... Eh, it's cool, but I mean, eh. it, also he's only human, so it's not like it's his power. It's <laughs> it's GE's, you know. <laughs> he's a temporal it. driver. Thank you very much. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say about oh. a human being with the ability to time travel. <laughs> to time travel. Hey, he's creating new world lines too. <laughs> or, or is the the general electric device making new world lines? Maybe his time traveling sends ripples through the world lines, and that's what, how we experience other cryptids like Bigfoot and. You know, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because I did actually see a uh, a post that someone asked him about cryptids, 
And yeah. if if his world line had cryptids, and he talks a lot about UFOs, and he postulates that maybe they're actual time travelers that have more advanced technology that he has, other temporal drivers that are entering the timeline, but he's not sure. It's something that intrigues him. Specifically to things like Bigfoot and things like that, he does say that they have swamp monsters. So maybe a veiled reference to Skunk Ape. Yeah, he does live in Florida. He's a Florida man. And, (laughs) you know, nuclear fallout, does that make Skunk Ape more powerful? (laughs) (laughs) Does he get stronger? Maybe maybe time travelers get their monsters and put them in our timeline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Like like the the Baba Yaga alien theory, they just dropped her off. You can stay here now, Baba. (laughs) They're just, they don't want skunk ape they and our timeline is the the trash timeline <laughs> just dump everything here yep and for the powers for me for me it was it was it's difficult quantifying time travel <laughs> as a power but the way that i looked at it he can only travel at least 60 years in the past anything beyond that's too dangerous mm-hmm. he stays in the year 2000 for personal reasons so to me he is using time travel for personal gain a loss of ethics to me is occurring so he's not an ethical being he creates uncountable timelines when he travels doesn't seem to care too much that he's doing that just because he's willing to do it so he's not taking that into account ethically and in his posts he is really just a snarky ass (laughs) like if you read his his the entire timeline from november 2000 to march 2001 he comes across as very condescending and holier than thou attitude of like, well, you should be paying attention to state rights. You should be paying attention to where your food comes from. You should be paying attention to the election, things like that. So he's, he's preaching a lot to people on the, on these forums. I don't know. It's, is that the, is that the place for a time traveler to be doing those things? (laughs) He also at one point takes the, the Thanos approach he argues that the world war is good for us and that we are better off if 50% of our population dies. So like, it's, it's okay. Like, okay, you're making that statement, but then who decides who goes, like who decides who, yeah. who these people are all that are that die. You're okay with this action occurring, but clearly doesn't want it to be his parents. Cause he can't imagine being more than a hundred miles away from his parents. So there's a lot of things that disconnect as far as the, morality of him but i ended up quantifying just the power of time travel as exemplary so the ability for him to time travel i gave him a four <laughs> you really love time travel uh mm-hmm. i think uh there was another was it the mothman that had like interdimensional qualities yep, yep. i think you gave a high score for the powers <laughs> i think i did i think maybe a, th- a three so not quite, not quite four, tighter, but still, tighter. Yep. Still higher than my two. And then, <laughs> and then most likely like uh Mothman, it might not get much better. <laughs> <laughs> so how about detectability for um, our, our boy, John, big J. Um, so t- John and time travelers in general, like, like I listed a few of them earlier. Every one of them was detected then. <laughs> well, they're, first of all, they're a handful. And the of the ones that I listed, a lot of, you know, it was either one was a commercial. One, another one was fake news. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, 
Um, the other one, like the lady on her phone thing, that could easily be explained. That could be anything, yeah. Um, the only... T-shirt the guy. Only, what? T-shirt guy. T-shirt guy. I mean... Uh, that could be any anything. He could have <laughs> devised his own screening process. And as, print, as, printing process. Assuming T-shirt guy is a time traveler, we have John Titer, T-shirt guy, and <laughs> Noah, the recent one. That's three. Oh, crumpled paper guy. Yep. <laughs> um, so, and even then. And I, th- and I think he had more outlandish things. Yeah. No, he didn't. Uh, I remember you mentioned bionic eyes. And I just remember reading an article a few days ago about, I think, Australia. Yep. De- devising a bionic eye. So, is Noah right with his crumpled paper? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and John Titer himself. We only know of him through the internet. We, we don't even know if there's an actual person on the other end. Mm-hmm. Or it could be several persons, right? Yep. That goes into, like, who was it? And there's a, a John Titer LLC out there, mm-hmm. and it gets muddy. And then time travelers in general, if they do exist, besides those that I named, they're not going to tell you they're time travelers because, you know, they don't want a lot of the, Except for the John. rules. Right. So, and and they're just humans, so you can't tell a time ta- time traveler, especially if he's going through the lengths that John Titer is going through, getting these different cars and selling them. <laughs> oh my God, the whole selling the cars when he uh, drives me nuts. Like why, why just transport your car back and forth through time? So for detectability, I gave him a three. So I took a completely different approach here because John is expressly stating that he is a time traveler. He is saying who he is. He doesn't care really if anybody wants to know. He he seems to do this as like as like a social experiment to get people's reaction and seems to at the end even indicates that the reason he did all this was to like collect data from people to try to enter a conversation and get information of how people react to time traveler and stuff like that. So just by the act of him flatly stating that he's a time traveler, posting pictures of what he claims is his time travel device, his his manual, a cutout, of, like a cut expression of what his time traveling device, how it works. And then he also claimed that his parents were going to film him traveling back into time, which I don't believe there was ever a video that showed it. So I don't know what his parents did with that video. <laughs> but because he states that he's a time traveler, I my notes say he tells people he is a time traveler. Meh. I gave him a zero. <laughs> Damn. This could be interesting. What's your take on the lore and mystique of John? So with, with John, he he's special because he has a lot of information that was accurate enough that to instill doubt and even the staunchest skeptic. So you, mm-hmm. you know it's like oh I needed this machine because of this this um old computer because of something it can do and then it turns out well, if you're in 2009 they find out hey this machine can run some instructions that wasn't documented how did he know right <laughs> so it's, it's things like that the whole there's a whole love story aspect to, to oh john's God, yes to john's story dealing with a woman named pamela moore um I'm not going to get into it, but there's just so much. I mean, reading the, if you yeah. want. She, I will mention she, she states she had a dream in 1998 
about like being visited by somebody uh-huh. and then like looked back at it and thought she attributed it to being John. And then because he says he went back into 1998, she's like, did he enter my dreams? Like, <laughs> so, so now, I mean, if I hadn't known about that, I would have added that to his powers. <laughs> this dream, dream, dreamscaping. <laughs> oh God. So, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on that you have a whole, a whole lot of people just writing their takes on it. There's those books. I mentioned the, the, the people that believe John, I never, I didn't mention that there's a ton of, um, well, maybe it's one guy in particular, but there's a bunch of videos he's put out on YouTube to debunk John and to show like who it was behind the, the, the internet mm-hmm. persona. Uh, I mean, there's, you got to give him credit. I gave, I gave it a three. <laughs> yeah. I think that is very reasonable the way that I looked at it. So for, this thing goes back to, if you take the facts as the first entering of John Titer into our world, it goes back to 1998. And since then, like there isn't his interactions. They weren't there for long. It was November of late November of, into a year into March of the next year. It's not a long time for something to uh, like transpire. And the mystique for this is that it all occurred in, for all intents and purposes, the early days of the internet. Still a lot of people at the time on dial-up. I think all of that, you know, for a lot of people, it first reaches onto sustained time of being online, of like going home after work or after school and staying online for a good portion of the day after that. I think that plays into a lot of like, oh my God, is this real type of thing? It's the first time that people are able to interact with this sort of story of like, do you believe who's on the other side of that screen? Do you believe at face value the things that you're being told on the internet? And this is like a case study of yes, people do. People believe wholeheartedly like anything that you can tell them. And do you extrapolate that into today? Uh, people do not check sources. They do not think beyond a headline. This like hive mind of I read this title, I read this like yeah, headline, and I can base my entire judgment on what an editor puts for a headline. Mm-hmm. I don't have to read the article. I don't need any more further proof than seven words to make an opinion on something that's being done in the world. It's also fascinating that the way that he presents the physics part of it, because in no way am I educated in the aspect of it, and he presents a compelling argument. There are advanced equations that he's putting there. Do they make sense? I don't know, but because most people wouldn't know, I think that adds to the mystique of it, because he seemingly is showing proof. There is no other, no one else out there where they're saying, like, this. I'm a time traveler. Here's a picture of my device. And it's like a whole unit like someone took the time in 2000 or earlier to build this huge unit and there's like knobs on it there's switches there's this like radio like button thing that you can looks like you can pull to talk into maybe to communicate to people someone took a lot of time to present it and that adds to more mystique of is it real or is it not real because someone took a lot of time to, you know, present this. And even the way that he answers all the questions, someone took a long, long time to try to build this story if it's all fake. So we're 19, 20 years removed from it, and a lot of people are still talking about it. Yeah. And it was just something that occurred over the span of several months. I ended up falling on, I went back and forth between a three and a four. I landed on a three, above average, lower mystique. Same same spot you were. <laughs> How about cunning? Uh, cunning. 
I know from past experience, you've said it plainly, he is human. I mean, does this does this fall from the previous statements <laughs> of a human automatically gets a four? Well, you worked yourself into that corner. <laughs> did I though? Because my, my Swiss staring, cheese memory remembers that. I, I'm staring at a four. <laughs> Damn it! If he did take the early 2000s internet by storm, <laughs> man. Also, he's a Florida man, so big ups for that. <laughs> You're the second Florida entity. It's a time traveler. <laughs> we go from um, <laughs> bipedal intelligent ape to time traveler. So maybe the, the movie timeline, H.G. Wells timeline was right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or a uh, time machine. Yeah, I mean, to, to just come up with all of this stuff. I mean, I, I would... I, I don't even have the dedication to do all of that. <laughs> so I, he, whoever it was, if it was one person, multiple people, if it was a hoax, a lot of time and thought went into this. Yeah. Like applaud, like a round of applause for these people of, to go that in depth uh, way back then. It's, it's weird because it's not that long ago, but I think in the scope of that time, like it, keep harping on this, it was like unique for that time for something like this to be happening there wasn't a lot of stuff interesting stuff like this happening that i recall yeah besides the the furby in my closet that's (laughs) talking and i took the batteries out story and had like 80 pages worth of thread (laughs) it's a great story so since you're sitting on a a four on that one i i took the same approach i couldn't there was just too much thought that went into it if it was fake the equations that they presented it it's so believable the way that they present that portion of it there's other parts of it that i have serious issues with uh that i can't reconcile to to get on the bandwagon that it's real uh because it just does doesn't make sense to me but if he just left it at the like mathematical portions of it the people on on the boards there's replies that like sort of shit on what he's saying saying that he's misrepresenting the data and things like that but i'm not trained in it mathematically i can't see it it looks real to me damn it <laughs> so i i gave him a four yep now our next one our our final impact on pop culture for the season the impact of john titer teeter titter on the world or <laughs> whatever on on all world lines maybe the <laughs> most <laughs> now that i think about it a four <laughs> because he he has created world lines that yeah. have spawned culture (laughs) right yeah you might you might make me want to change my score (laughs) um so yeah maybe this might come as a shock to you but i feel like his pop culture isn't that uh big there's a john titer foundation they put out a book uh which a lot of people feel are the ones that's we're behind us all. Like, why Why is there a John Titer Foundation? Why is there a John Titer LLC? Exactly. <laughs> the, the only reasoning I can think of is to try to copyright the story mm-hmm. so that other people can't use it for their own purposes. Yeah. And to do that, I feel like you have to show proof that you created it, right? Yeah. There's a, a play. It's shady. <laughs> a play based on him? Um. I want to see this play. I mean, I, come on. 
I'd like to is see. Is it this. like is it like Hamilton? Is there a rotating center <laughs> circle that uh, everyone jumps in and off on? I don't know, but apparently they made a movie from it. But I, I can only find a trailer for it, which is strange. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah. Is does it show anything uh, intriguing? I mean, I don't know. It's like a typical movie trailer. If you didn't know what it was about, you'd be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't really like make, grab the whole of me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a visual. This one seems to be a big hit. I, I, I kind of, I guess, it kind of revived the the whole John Titor thing back in ten years, ten years later, like 2011. A visual novel slash manga slash anime called Steins Gate that fe- yeah. features. <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> it features uh, John Titor prominently, apparently. Um, a lot of fervent Which makes no sense to me like what <laughs> yeah a lot of uh, fans apparently are, are aware of this too so whatever <laughs> and uh, I guess he's mentioned in the unbeatable squirrel girl in an issue of it as a was it John Tater is, is listed as in, De- in the Deadpool's guide to supervillains card okay I mean that opens up the possibility we could have John Titor in, in the Mar- MCU. In Marvel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, don't we have a, a guy that deals with time already? <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Dr. Dr. Strange? Strange, yeah. Well, I guess he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. When, well, he doesn't have the time stone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but I feel like that's the only thing. I mean, outside of all of that stuff, I really don't... There's nothing that... Oh, wow, John Titor influenced this. Maybe. Because, I mean, time travel stories have always been around. You can't really see a time travel sci-fi story and think John Titor was in, uh, involved or influenced. At least I don't think that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, to I hadn't thought about John Titor until we decided this is going to be the, the episode we would be about uh, we would talk about so that just goes to show how much he's in my consciousness i gave him a 1.5 in pop culture i am not surprised by the score oh. because for me the impact i wrote no lasting effects because i believe it is just people like you and i that are the ones talking about this <laughs> it was like a, a thought experiment of time travel he's just an internet phenomenon i think yeah and and he the stars aligned for a perfect time like it was before the era of nigerian princes and those types of scams like where people believed they were some long lost relative of royal family and they need to send two hundred dollars to help pay for the paperwork or some crap like that and people fall for it there's just nothing out there that shows that it really impacted anyone besides like huh that was cool <laughs> yeah and then yeah and then he disappeared and then you know you move on to the next thing that that piques your interest and nothing ever really came of the issue is none of his predictions came true like if in 2005 we went into american civil war 2 or in 2015 we go into world war 3 we're having a completely different conversation yeah. right now yeah. on the impact that john titter had on culture so <laughs> Because those things did not happen. And also because we are at episode 11, and it is the first entity that there are no beers named after. What? I Yep. 
the the streak ends right here. <laughs> uh, with a tear in my eye, I say that there is no John Titor beer, <laughs> and he gets the goose egg, a zero, an impact on pop culture. Well, this he's, he's, for me, he's double O John Titor. <laughs> well, <laughs> this uh, leads me to my next announcement. I have now released, uh, started a new brewing company, John Titor's Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Show me that paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there listening, go ahead and start that up, man. <laughs> okay. We, need- we, we said we wouldn't retroactively change scores. I'm not changing it. <laughs> we need time travel beer. <laughs> it will change when he time travels back. <laughs> yep. And you find the beer. It's like, oh, there's a beer here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen to this episode again in six years. The score might change. <laughs> different than what you remember well there you have it so so where are you in the, the totaling of your score uh 13.5 13.5 more points than he deserves <laughs> <laughs> so we have 13.5 i am however on because those double goose eggs mine only entered as an 11 thank god <laughs> so we'll put this into the for the final time this season we will put this into the famous rubric of power algorithm. So the algorithm has spit out John Titor's score. It has traveled from temporal space to temporal space. In our world line, John Titor has a score of 12.25. So uh, <laughs> Wendigo, no, didn't have to worry about time travel to <laughs> fend off John Titor. But with this score, he narrowly loses out to skunk ape that's right just a point two true champion lower than skunk ape my i mean <laughs> i don't know if i can forgive this he's point two five lower than than skunk ape and a full or almost a full point ahead of mongolian deathworm so john titer would sit at fifth place in our rankings if my uh if my fuzzy math is correct which Come on, let's let's restate this. So John Titor beats Hogzilla. John <laughs> Titor beats Mothman, beats Piazza, beats Goatman, beats Springhill Jack and Mongolian Deathworm. It's it's that cunning, man. <laughs> it is the Oh my gosh. That's the make or break, really. Cause his comparatively to the other entities, his impact on pop culture probably I think it's safe to say the lowest score that anyone has had. I'm very confident in saying that <laughs> without having the facts in front of me. But No fact-checking um, required. Yeah. My Swiss cheese memory, I give it a zero. <laughs> I don't think I give anything else a zero, so by default it's the lowest. Um, <laughs> what went wrong with Hogzilla? What went wrong with my Mothman? <laughs> well, they had, no, they had no intelligence. That was the issue, right? Yep. John Teeter has it in spades. Well... He tried, but he failed. No crown for the temporal traveler. So any any last words before we leave John Titor, before we leave the season, before we let John enter into his 1975 Chevrolet and go back to his world line or close proximity? Hopefully it's close. Or I don't know. I don't care if he goes back to his own timeline. <laughs> I feel like all I have left to say is Pam... If you're listening, God. get the buckle. That's it. 
Get the buckle. She'll know what I'm talking about. Is that like, like a seatbelt? She got her strapped in. Listen. I don't need to explain myself. That's... Has delirium set in this far into the episode? <laughs> yes, delirium. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not John. <laughs> or Jonathan Frakes. Oh, exactly. Any, <laughs> um, my final words on on John. Interesting stuff. I mean, the way it was presented, masterclass execution on early message board forums. You and I, way back on the message board life. Um, yeah. So it's you know, it's intriguing the way that was presented, that he had pictures of the devices, that he had a manual that he showed. It, there was just so much that went into it that was just so cool at the time Yeah. that it's like, oh, my gosh, is this really happening? <laughs> like, where's the 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 fox special on this Where, where's jonathan Frakes to present this to me yeah just like the representing like the moon landing being fake or some crap like that um but no, nothing ever happened it just stopped yeah. and like instantly died in the eye of pop culture like the internet kept it alive there's tons of articles you can go out to books that have been written about it but it's no lasting impact on on anything so it was a cool in the moment thing that if we were there like it's hard i I think it's hard to get that point across yeah like how neat neat it was to be reading it in on a message board in that time yeah of like it's very it's very like in its place so i think maybe to tie it all together for people that have encounters with cryptids like like this is maybe our closest thing that we can yeah. have to claim to be that sort of encounter that experience and yeah like it, it leaves a mark in your memory you don't think about it all the time cuz like you said haven't thought about John tighter in years until like we were trying to make up a list of what could we talk about for this show <laughs> and i was like well about John tighter <laughs> that was fun sure why not yeah it's 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 like you said it's like you know, being young, being on the internet, and then having that happen, it kind of feels like you're in on a secret. Like, nobody mm-hmm. else is seeing this. Oh, my God. We're on the cusp of yeah. history and, here. <laughs> and it was a different internet. It's not the internet of today. Yeah. It wasn't the social media extravaganza that plagues you. It wasn't on your phone. It was like a more, it's weird to say, like more intimate experience of like not everyone had it. It wasn't, it yeah. was unique. Yeah. It was more of like a, a small club sort of thing going on before it expanded and blew up. So, yeah, that's probably what the 80s internet hackers were saying about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, these, these idiots. <laughs> How dare they take over our internet? <laughs> these, these amateurs. It's an amateur hour. But yeah, it did. It did even when it, 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 you know, the internet did kind of blow up because of AOL back in the '90s. But even then, I remember when I finally got it, I was like, "Wow, I have the internet!" And it seemed like everyone had the internet then. But then, uh, no, not everyone had it. <laughs> yeah, to have like a home PC yeah. was oftentimes a rare thing. Yeah. And then I remember as like a young kid going on online AOL and like getting like 
print out pictures of like Ren and Stimpy and coloring them in. Like <laughs> I wasn't doing cool things, <laughs> not fun things. You got printing out pictures to color in. Uh, good times. Yep. <laughs> and then I discovered John Titer. <laughs> and then tried to print out pictures to color in. <laughs> um, so then now that we have allowed John to transport back to his world line, any final thoughts on this season? Any retrospect as we end episode, uh, whatever we're calling it, Megasode? I don't know. It was. I like this was. It helped. This came at the best possible time, I think. Mm-hmm. Just doing this podcast, um, having to deal with real life and all the stuff that's being thrown at us every day, and, and just being able to talk about these things that may or may not exist on a completely, you know, isolated level. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> creatures and John Titers and whatnot. It's just uh, fun to do something like this, especially when I really don't, never really looked into them myself. I mean, I have gone through life-changing events. I have a child now. <laughs> the point we started filming <laughs> or recording these to the now ending season one. Yeah, listen, and... listen to all the episodes and, and see when you can pinpoint when you think he has a child. <laughs> yep. Take a drink every time you hear a baby cry. <laughs> and uh, things I had just surface-level knowledge of when we looked at him, and then looking into him, it's like, oh, like why the why the hell did I? think these things because it's completely different than the actual representation of it yeah coming to my mind like wendigo completely game changer as what how i thought of it even just in general like the misrepresentation of like first nations culture is a huge issue yeah that i've seen time and time again that has opened my eyes to that which i'm thankful for i guess the, the beyond the idea of believability or or not of these entities like i don't i don't i think we have a very lax view uh, the way that we present this information yeah. it's a fun look at it and it, it's not intended to like shame people either way of in, uh, being skeptic or not or believing or not it's just a, a fun conversation that we're having and and glad that people are listening to be a part of it it's just been a, a neat topic to look at like you said a, a nice distraction from <laughs> world events yeah so with that even though Jonathan Frakes claims that he was a time traveler because of his telescope. He's still near and dear to my heart. So uh, hopefully to yours as well, Angel. I hope that you help get engaged in the conversation online. Tweet out to Jonathan Frakes. Uh, what is his opinion on time travel? Is it real? Is it something that is conceptually reasonable, logical? Or is something like John Titer, is it a complete hoax? It would be neat to get his opinion on it since he's been on the forefront of the supernatural and interesting for a good portion of his <laughs> career. The spokesman, yep. as he says. Yep. At Jonathan S. Frakes on Twitter. You can then uh, also at Cracking Curios. That's us. And you can hashtag your questions with hashtag Cracked Cryptids. And with that comes an end to Megasode here. <laughs> the marathon episode uh that was not planned to go this long but hey it is what it is we're here and the season we had a lot to bang. talk about it got philosophical <laughs> so hopefully you enjoyed the conversation surrounding john titer and we'll join us next time in season two as we explore many more cryptids 
and even get into the later part of the show's name, the curios part, uh, some strange objects that are out there in our weird world. It was a great ride. I'm glad I kept my windows down <laughs> as I <laughs> transported through time and space. So remember, bring a gas can with you when the car <laughs> dies on the side of the road. Farewell. <laughs> This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. This is my sad song. <laughs>